Welcome to Tales from the East End, episode 143, and Prof, the tactical colossus, has just left the building. He was here, he was in my lair. He was in the lair, he came, he saw, he conquered, so a very, very special show today. One-off interview, it's entirely dedicated to Shamrock Rovers manager Stephen Bradler. Bradler, Stephen Bradley, who joined us in for the studio for the first time. So early Christmas present for our listeners, and the reaction has been fantastic to this one, Prof. Uh, I'm going to say best interview ever. Yeah, I was racking my brain. I mean, the one with Joey was excellent. So it's got to be up there, if not, if if not, it's topped it. Honestly, it's it was just fascinating sitting there picking his brain and the honesty. And you know what I noticed as well? I was saying this to the lads. I reckon, like the way he sees football, we can't see football like that. It's like he sees the colours of the wind. He can see things that people just don't see. It was amazing talking yeah. to him, so it was it was just it was a pleasure, absolute pleasure. It was a show four years in the making, wasn't it? Yeah. Because we we begun this podcast at the beginning of his his reign, really, and uh, it's the right time, isn't it? Genuinely could listen to him all day. Yeah. It's just utterly fascinating. But you know the thing is as well, he just loves football. We were chatting to him off air about like football, all types of football, all players, everything. And it was the the flow was there. It was it was back and forth. It was absolutely brilliant. And you reckon you put a couple of points in front of you, you'd be there all night. So he just loves football. That's what the the thing I loved about it. Yeah, no, very grateful grateful for him to uh, come on. He spoke really openly and uh, yeah, that no, was brilliant. So you'll hear that in a couple of minutes now. Alright, so just a couple of notes before we introduce Bradzer and a reminder that the club shop is open every day this week up to Christmas Eve with a late opening on Wednesday. Season ticket collection is available there as well. So you can get the new tour jersey. Champions 2020 book is just €10. Euro. Santa sacks hooded snoods. I just saw Tommy Kelly with the hooded snood on mm-hmm. and I didn't even know they were in stock. And they're absolutely amazing. Amazing. The Transformer snood and it comes over your head. It's like a leather helmet. Uh, these things are brilliant. So fully stocked, Prof. You were just back after spending a fortune. I was splashing the cash. Splashing out the cash. Got the uh, bobble hat. I got the hoodie. I got the calendar. I got the book. I got that short set. The one with the chevrons, umbros on the side. I got the new blackout cap. The new arrow one, which is the coolest cap I've ever seen but Rovers bring out. Uh, Jaden got some... Uh, training gear the new champions jersey absolutely brilliant great line check out the store get down get on down and spend all your money have a couple of days now to get your your robber shopping done there now that's it and i was showing gary the book there just before we we went on air and uh it's, it's really good isn't it this book is worth it alone just for the the, the league stats props that they're pulling out here Bradzer was impressed by his bookcase and I think he went to touch one and I was like don't touch it Bradzer don't touch it because that was the it was the fake book that drops a hole in the ground prof would have had Bradzer as a prisoner but it's um, yeah no it's it's fascinating the stats the stats alone are nuts can you hear it gives me I want to read one out because these the league stats in particular are absolutely unbelievable it's in the middle and they're, they're just I don't know how how did you do it how did you come across it like how did you even gather these stats? We're just trying to find them here now. Here we go. Right, so we're ready. Um, I'm going to give you the one that stuck out most to me. Which one was I saying? Um, couple of them. Right, so the Rovers Premier Division goals. Right, we've Twig on 81. Gary, or Tony Cousins on 46. Finner has 44. Finner is right behind Tony Cousins. I know, yeah. Two away from him. Uh, our most played players in the Bradley era. Ronald Fame 111 and 104 for Roberto Lopez. Borky has 29 goals. Bourne has 18. Just all these tally goals, appearances. 
Tala era appearances, Ronan Finn, 226. Mm. He's adjusting the league now. He's adjusting the league. Yeah. Um, they, they, they're fascinating they really are I won't give you too many because I'm already I'm already spoiling you just go out and buy the book yourselves well this is only I'm trying, trying to deflect the praise up in here this is only two pages in the book so massive kudos to Robert to put the whole thing together Does, and Ryan, Ryan Ryan McDyer he's the one who's put together this game by game thing in the book that's the chunk of it so uh, big shout out to him it's there you can yeah. relive the whole season while sitting on the toilet pot and just having a good old read which is no offence, as we know, Prof. Do you I do a lot of reading on the do toilet. You just describe everything as toilet reading. <laughs> yeah, that's you seem the to get best. All, that's where you get all your reading done, is it? Pretty much. It's the only place yeah. I get a rest in five <laughs> minutes. So, yeah, everything is uh, coming together. And, um, yeah, so brilliant stuff. Make sure you head down to the shop because the new gear is absolutely brilliant. Um, Rovers Women's Under-17's final against Cork. That'll be played on Wednesday at 3pm in Athlone. It's live on FAOI TV. So, um Definitely check that one out. Tune into that down in Lissy Wall in one of our favourite stadiums, prof. Um, very nice ground, very nice place, but just they've fallen on hard times lately. But they're getting back into the swing of things. So that is the women's under 17s final against Cork Wednesday, 3 p.m. in Athlone. And like we said, it's live yeah. on FAI TV. Chance for them to win uh, the league title in their inaugural se- inaugural season. So yeah, big chance. So big, uh, big, big chance to win some silverware there. So good luck to the ladies. Uh, right, so Prof, are we, I think we're going to have to get on with this because mm. it it's officially the best interview of all time. <laughs> so we're here, we're with Stephen Bradley and uh, I suppose we have to start with the FAI Cup final earlier this month. Uh, we all wanted that one beaten double but it was a hard one to take. So tell, give us your thoughts, Steve. Uh Yeah, look, it was a hard one to take, wasn't it, for everyone. I think uh, Carl told me. Uh, a few weeks back, that was 95 years, so um, we knew it would have been an incredible achievement. Um, it was one we felt uh, we were in good form, we were ready for it. Um, and when you watch the game back, I thought we were excellent. I thought for 65, 67 minutes, we, we completely controlled the game, dominated the game. Uh, didn't We had chances, half chances, didn't take them. Uh, and then we got hit with two goals in, in a few minutes and that that completely changed the the game uh, as a whole. But uh, really disappointed. Uh, but I don't think we can uh, like I said, when you when you look at look at it and take the emotion out of it and watch the game, I think uh, there's so much of the game that was really, really good. But you don't uh, get too many chances to do uh, un unbeaten double, so uh, disappointed. It is small margins, isn't it? If that chance goes in, in injury time or flashes across the box, conversely, last year, Big Al doesn't make that save, so it can be very fine margins. Yeah, yeah, it can. Um, last year, was was we were slightly better, I felt, but it was more of an even game. And like you said, Alan makes a great save to keep us in it. Mm. Um, whereas this year, we, we're, we're much the better team in every aspect. But uh, we don't take our chances. And... and um, I think it's come out now that McMillan was just about to be taken off before he scores, so it showed you how, <laughs> how little effect he had on the game, like you know. Um, yeah. And then he scores two in five minutes. So, but that's cup finals. Um, not always the best team wins them, um, and and that proved to be the case last week. But uh, yeah, it was it was a hard one to take. The dressing room was was uh, a quiet place, like you know. Afterwards, mm-hmm. for for quite some time, I think everyone was good, like you. Know? No, you mentioned that you said to take the emotion out, but that's that's something that is that, is that tough to do to take the emotion out. It's something that we we definitely struggle with as fans because yeah. 
we we call ourselves masochists on this show because we walk, we I watch back the final again and it's still tough to take the emotion out of it. Yeah. You're still biased as fans, we're, we're naturally biased. Yeah. Do you struggle to take the emotion out of it? Um, early on, so if the game is on the Sunday, uh, there's no point in watching it on the Monday and trying to analyse it from my point of view because your your emotion is still very much involved in the game and still, uh, like I said, really attached to it, but. Uh, when you watch it again and watch it again uh, with a fourth or fifth time that motion is gone and you can really analyse what was good and what was bad in the game um, and like I said when you do that and, and put it on mute and just sit there in your own inner room and watch it and analyse it like we do you, you can see how dominant we were in the game and that's the that's the really disappointing the goals we give away from our point of view are terrible goals yeah um, very unca- uncharacteristic from yeah. us as well isn't it and that's the bit that gets you because the, what did we concede before that all year Carl 7 was it yeah 7 all year and seven then 4 all year. and, that and game, then yeah. look the, the fourth one's a throwaway goal where we've committed so many men at the pitch that's that can happen in, in, in games like that but the third and the second and third are, are, are killers like you know and um really really unlike us to give away that type of goal usually when we've conceded goals they've, they've really had to work for them uh, but I don't think they had to work too do well do screamers as well poor Al he only conceded <laughs> screamers doesn't yeah, he I think Alan nearly retired last year on the back of everyone's <laughs> going screamers as the friend said to us we'll make next year's double even sweeter so yeah no, hopefully that has to be the aim now. that has to be the motivation to, to, to go and, and try and put it right but the frustration must have been the levels must have been really high as regards to first of all being banned from the touchline and um, I mean, just the state of the pitch. I mean, it was a, it was a cabbage patch, really, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I felt. Uh, look, my my ban. I've had me saying it on, on everything, and and uh, I, I think it was disgraceful. I've said that um, every aspect of it. Um, that I was never should have been sent off for for what I said. When you say to a ref that a tackle is fucking embarrassing, and you get a three match ban for it. It's, it's scandalous, like you know. Um, that's something that's like I, I, I'm nearly sure I heard Greener tell the the ref to fuck off. You hear that every two minutes in the, the final. Game. Yeah, in the final he did just before he scored. He was giving out about not getting a free, and he goes, "Ah, oh, fuck off!" And then he scored. He tapped one in. So that's what that's what I'm talking about. It all depends on the ref, really, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, things I said on touch lines, uh, on the pitch every week that that. Uh, probably cross the line but it's part and parcel of football and, and most officials know that and, and they have their favourite as well to say which is fine but to get banned for that was, was really poor um, and then like you said the pitch was was uh, I think we could have played it in Jobstown Park and it would have been a better surface I think it was the worst pitch I've seen outside Finn, uh, Finn Harps away it was it was horrendous I don't know what it looked like on the TV uh, I was watching it live, but yeah. it, it looked bad. Yeah, well, it was it was worse than that on when you were on it. So um, the date was moved so many times, wasn't it, for the final? Yeah, and then it ends up following the, you know, the rugby match. Yeah, exactly. It didn't help. Look, I, I know. Obviously, I think we should have played it in Tala, but the argument is obviously <laughs> we're at home. But I just think for the pitch, could we went to the RDS? Could we went somewhere else? Because, um, it, it was that bad. It was it was it was really poor to be fair. Yeah, I'm sure you've had a few. Uh, selection headaches in your time as manager but I'm interested in this one was that one of the toughest calls you've had to make so far because we struggled doing our yeah. starting 11s at, at the end of the yeah. show we'd be sitting there going how does Brad's are feel like but particularly your back three yeah. leaving out one of Joey Pico Liam Scales or Lee Grace was that yeah. one of the hardest calls you ever had to make yeah because it's really really close if you look like you've just named them players um, really really high level 
between all of them. Um, and it's fine margins when it comes down to it. Do you have a process? That, yeah. Yeah. yeah is, it a, is it a process that applies to certain positions or is it just in general? No, I think you have to look at everything, who you're playing, yeah. what way they're going to play, how, oh. how you can play against them, who's suited to that. And then form comes into it. Um, and, and who's who's playing at their maximum level right then. And, and then you just have some games where some players, you know, score or play well against certain types. and uh, So it all does a lot that comes into it. But when you look, uh, when you look at decisions... Casey was brilliant though, wasn't he? He was brilliant. He, he been has brilliant. been brilliant leading up to it. So it would have been very, very harsh on him to uh, mm. to leave him out. I think that would have been the easy option because he's the youngest and and uh, Lee, Roberto and, and Joey have played a lot together in big games. So leaving Liam out would have been the easy option. But I felt Liam's performances leading up to that game deserved, deserved for him to play. And I thought he was, uh, I thought he was very, very good in the day. Did you pick up any uh, tips from Michael Neil, the way he used to sort of man managing players like I think it was a Pat Flynn or something Bucker Bailey said he was yeah. the best man manager and he just, he just put him that's not you need to manage like, <laughs> like I'm Japanese for this game but I need you for bowls in two yeah. weeks time did yeah. you pick up any tips from Michael and Neil well, look if way? you can manage Bucker you can manage <laughs> <laughs> Bucker um, was some man um, yeah look I think you have to be upfront and honest with the players I think that's number one but I always I do always think of what's coming down the road in terms of certain players for certain games and, and we've done that a few occasions this year and, and we've done it uh, in the past and, and that's something we always so we say Carly you're not playing this week but we're playing X away next week and yeah. you're shooting to play against him so you'll play and I think a lot of players uh, accept that they don't like being dropped never you'll always get an argument and that's fine that's that's part of the job sometimes they, they'll call you every name under the sun I'm sure when they walk away from you but as long as you're open and honest with them and, mm. and give uh, open and honest reasons for why you're doing it I think uh, 9 times out of 10 they can accept that you know and the ones that don't maybe aren't for you because yeah. uh, it's about the group it's about what we do as a team um, if we want to be successful like we have been and we want to grow on that it's not going to be about the 11 that start the pitch in the first game of the season next year it's going to be about the 20 the 22 players uh, that come in that everyone knows that uh, everyone's as important as each other so um, and if you haven't got a player that's willing to buy into that well then maybe they're not for us like you know maybe it's it's time to is that hard to down. implement that squad mentality I actually had a you could say an argument last night he's a current league world player I won't, I won't name him but they were releg- he, he happened to be involved in the relegated team last year and he he doesn't buy now I, this is probably why he told me probably got, this is why he got relegated he doesn't think the squad mentality fits a captain so I was talking about Ronan and he was saying well Ronan the squad mentality doesn't apply to a captain I said of course it does I said the squad mentality that the Rovers players have bought into, it's ultimately won us the league. So was it hard to implement this squad mentality on a whole, on a group of players who are like that good, who all demand a starting eleven starting spot? Yeah, but I think that it's a. First of all, I think he's talking nonsense. I yeah. think if you're not a squad player, a team player, there is a reason you get relegated. But um, I think uh, it was about a culture change for us when we came in. When yeah. we came into the Russian and we had twenty lads that that didn't give a show about each other, about the club or about, they just wanted to play next week and didn't care about the bigger picture. So we had to change that whole mentality, the whole culture of that. And I thought that's the big one that took time. So when I say Ronan was my most important signing and, and everyone will jump on uh, Jack or Roberto or Alan yeah, yeah, yeah. and I know everyone's important. But Ronan was there most important for that reason that he understood that when he came in. And, and I'll, just, I'll give you an example. Um, when we signed Jack, um, Everyone was questioning, and I knew the quality Jack had. We mm. just had to 
help him get it out and and, uh, and get him back to his level. But we also had the chance then to sign Graham Bork back on loan. And the scenario was, can you play both of them in the same team? That was so a you big have thing, to change yeah. our system. So uh, you're willing to do that. So we did that obviously to get the two of them in the team. Um, and and it suits how we play. But in order for that to work, don't forget Ronan was signed as a central midfielder and probably the best one in the country at the time. But to show you with the man and, and the whole culture change, Ronan came to me and said, um, I understand what we have to do to get them the team and I'm willing to sacrifice my position for them to, to play to make us better as a whole. And um, and I explained, well, right wing back is going to be that. And, and Ronan said, yeah, I'm all for it. Now, you, someone who's been so successful, played in the group stages twice, don't one what he's won, a proper man, proper leader. When he came and said that to me, for me, that was... That was the turning point in our culture. That was oh, yeah. when I knew we were onto something. Because when your captain is coming, some people, like the fellow you spoke to last night, will sit there and say, no, no, I'm a captain, I don't. This is Exactly, yeah. When your captain comes to you, he's probably one of the best players to ever play in the league. When he's, when he's finished his career, that's what would be said about him. Um, the longevity he's had when he comes and says to you, I'm willing to sacrifice my position to make us better as a whole. Uh, I knew that's when, when we had... The culture that we wanted at the and he's excelled as well yeah and he, and he's 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 learned on the job Ronald's had to learn that position on the job which is not easy but uh, like you said he's been outstanding but um, that was the big culture shift for us it took a while but when, when you get your captain and your leader coming and saying that for the greater good of the team the club the squad well it's easy for me now to say if anyone doesn't want to be part of it well they're not for us because yeah. that's when your captain says that so we're talking about playing in empty stadiums now. So um, a strange, a strange uh, experience, I'd say, considering the Aviva empty, every stadium been empty, bar the the ball people, <laughs> not ball boys at this stage. They they might as well be part of the squad. Some more refused. Jason Maloney, we give him a shout out <laughs> as well. But what what was it like playing in empty stadiums? Was it a shock to the system? Yeah, all season. Yeah, I think people. Uh, we're asking all throughout the year what's the benefits the negatives everything I think we were one of the clubs that was really hit with it in terms of talent if you look at our average attendance when beforehand uh, you look at the Dundalk game obviously with the sellout uh, in my opinion that was going to become a regular in Tallah Stadium in terms of average five, six thousand selling mm. out every few weeks and that's intimidating when, when you're yeah. an opposition mm. player or a team coming to Tallah and that's that's what you're facing when when the crowd get behind you in mm. Tallah it's a hard place to go and play and express yourself for the other team. So even our minimum crowds, I think we're building. Like the likes of yeah. UCD at home, we were getting three thousand. Yeah, but if you yeah, go yeah. back to ten years ago, it was only one or two. Yeah, no, our average yeah. was really good. So yeah. when everyone talks about the effect I had, I think we were hit the worst because I think certain players and teams came to Tallaght and were actually playing above their levels because they played with zero fear. They love pitch is always the best in the country. Uh, it's it's perfect to play on every week, and then when you when you take out the crowd factor and that intimidation factor, uh, a lot of teams came and, and really put up to us because of of that factor. Feel I think I had a yeah I think we were the team that hit us the hardest, and it took us a couple of weeks to, to really adjust to. It. I think playing away from home early on uh, in the COVID situation helped us because uh, mm. it let us feel uh, for what was going to be. I think Pat and Shields are. Pats and Derry were, were very early on and uh, after the break and and, and uh, yeah. away and that helped us like you know because we were, we were below par and, and I think that was the big reason for it. That's something we spoke about before about the consistency of teams and away and home didn't really matter anymore and as regards to like just the average punter having a bet on the weekend or whatever form kind of went out the window so 
we were talking about um, teams adapting to it that are better and some teams were inconsistent after the restart. So did you notice that were teams coming and changing their style coming to Tala with knowing the fans weren't going to be there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I said, I think teams were coming and uh, were obviously sitting back uh, when we had possession because, uh, again, to be fair to the players, they, they demanded that and how they played and dominated the game. Mm-hmm. But uh, when they had the ball, they were so so free and so open and... and and throw everything at it, and, and you just get certain players that, say a right winger for example, who hasn't got 200 lads sitting behind and giving him stick, yeah. he obviously gets <laughs> taken out straight away, so he's concentrating fully on the game, and, and you, you'll see players playing in Tyler with the empty stadiums, opposition players that you think, he's actually better than what you thought, or, mm. or he's raised his game, just because <coughs> all the other factors are taken out, and, and he's become a better player for us, so um, like I said, you're definitely seeing individuals and, and teams come and, and be better for it. And did you? I think you said before that you you did rejig things, especially after the Shelburne nil all draw. I think their manager actually came out and said, "Oh, we have them sussed. We know how they play." How yeah. did that go up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but it, it felt like we changed our game again, and we upped it then. Yeah, I th- again, I think if you if you watched us in real detail, uh, we had been changing after Derry. We weren't happy with Derry away when we won two one. Uh, we were delighted with. The character and, and everything, the commitment shown, come back to win the game. But when how we actually played, uh, what was, was what wrong? We what were you unhappy with? I thought the pace was was very frustrating. That's how yeah. one thing we uh, we noticed is that we just we weren't getting the ball around quick enough. What yeah. were you unhappy with? Yeah, but that's that can be the the sort of uh, just looking at it from afar and saying it's too slow but yeah. when, you, when you go into what we do the detail of what we do look you have taken to Derry it was a sunny afternoon the pitch up there it's an astral that all falls into slowing the game down but yeah. when you look at all our angles all our timing of our movements all our passing everything we work on was so off what we did yeah. um, so after that game we we, uh, we had to change because Derry set up at home really really deep uh, to try and just frustrate us so we knew that was going to be what we were going to face uh, going forward so We'd worked on things then straight after that game for the next few weeks, and against Pats away, we could see them. Um, we could really see them uh, coming in, um, walking, starting to work. The time was a little bit off, but we created four really good chances off the back of them. And uh, against Shells, again, you could see us starting to get there. Uh, and, and after the game, I think people, pundits, and Shells were, were really happy with the performance. But I remember looking at it thinking, if we had a score one of the chances, this could have been four or five yeah, because yeah. we were so. And I knew I was just getting there because everything we were working on for the two weeks, the three weeks was was uh, slowly getting there, and then it clicked in uh, the week after. Uh, well, the shells was interesting because we were able to use their talk afterwards for motivation when we played them in Talca, um, and we spoke a lot about Bohemians after that game, and, and that helped us. Um, it's that's it's it's good to hear you being proactive as well because some managers react but now you can say you're reacting as well but you saw something that you weren't happy with mm. straight off the bat you said this has to change yeah I think we always do that we, we have a saying in, in the staff room that we have to be uh, you can't be in the game you have to be on it like you know and that's a big yeah. saying and, and people uh, sometimes get lost in the game so when I say I take the emotion out of the game that's why I do it because if not you're in it you're still feeling that emotion and you don't actually uh, see it for what it is so you have to be on the game you have to be outside looking on it and see how our team's going to set up against us. So since we finished, that's all we've been doing the staff, thinking how will they play against us next year? How will they set up? How are we going to hurt them? How can we improve? Because teams are going to set up to stop us. So uh, you have to be on the game. And, and, and 
uh, always looking to improve and how we do, always looking to evolve in what we do. Um, and uh, that's what we try and do all the time. We always, even if we win, we never win, whether it's 1 0 or 5 0, we never win and go home and, and don't talk about it after the game or the next day or Monday in our Monday meeting. We always analyse. We won 4 0 against Sligo, I think, was a 5, whatever it was at home, but it wasn't a 4 0 game, it was, it was yeah. tight. They had some really good chances and we were really unhappy with with how we set up, like you know, so um things like that you have to analyse and, and, and like I said, not be in it be on it. So I think we've got four players in and four out so yeah. far. Uh are you happy with your business? And I presume you've been sort of planning one or two moves ahead of the last few weeks in terms of, you know, Danny's gonna go, Reese is gonna go, mm. and you've been sort of plotting how to fit in those positions. Yeah, we've uh We've been plotting down for quite some time. Chris was done for three or four months ago, Chris McCann. Um, in terms of uh, we knew it was available. It wasn't actually signed, but we knew we'd watched them really closely for, for quite some time uh, because we knew it was one that was quite interesting for us. Uh, Sean Hall was one that I've always liked. I think he, if you look at our type of defender, Sean is mm-hmm. another one of them in everything we do. Uh, really athletic, really quick. Good in the ball, scores goals in both boxes, defends. <laughs> he killed us in the cup final. Um, but now that was one we did. Sean, uh, Danny Mandrew is a fantastic young player with really, really. Can we uh, delve into the Danny Mandrew saga? Yeah. Is, is there a saga? Well, maybe it was created by the fans, but okay. has it been ongoing for a while now? And was it was it tough to get it over the line? No, it wasn't. It hasn't been ongoing. Um, I spoke to uh, Daniel a few weeks back, um, but it wasn't uh, ongoing. We literally had a minute on the phone, and we just said we'd, we'd sit down at the end of the season. That's as far as it went. Sat down and it was done within a day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it wasn't ongoing. When once I sat down and got a feel for him as a person, um, I knew he was the right fit for us. Yeah, you fit in and you yeah, did well. So, yeah. Uh, and and Sean Reese declared the Reese one. Uh, Reese was having some personal issues, family issues. So that was uh, we liked Reese, really liked Reese as a player, a person. Um, didn't want to lose him, um, but sometimes it's best for everyone to to just wish him the best because he's uh, like I said, he has some family issues that he needs to needs to get right, and I think that's important. If someone's not happy at home, they're not going to be happy in training on the pitch. So, yeah. so that one was uh, was a bit of a shock to everyone because he's. Uh, we we saw Reese a big part of us, uh, this group going forward, you know. But unfortunately, it just didn't didn't work out. Tell us a bit about Chris McCann. And what type of player we're going to get? Really, really good player. Mm. Um, I was listening back to him with Doug, with uh, Con or with Con, and he was saying he was he likes to start attacks, but he can yeah. slot in at left wall and centre half. Yeah, now we see him as a midfielder. I've watched him play. He can play. Uh, Full back, wing back, centre half, but he's he's a midfielder. When yeah. when you watch his games, that's where he's at his best. Um, really creative, um, big boy, athletic, can move, does a bit of everything. He's played in nearly every level, MLS yeah. right down the league, so Premier League. So he knows knows the game, can do everything, um, and he's a really good fit for us. Again, I just think he's another one that, that takes the group to another level uh, with his know how and and his playing ability. Um, yeah, so really, really looking forward to, to getting Was there a playing connection there as regards to with Stephen or did anyone play with him? Steve, it came through, Stephen, I felt. Uh, an old um, agent rang Stephen a while back and, and said, will you bring it to the manager? Is there something he's interested in? We we sat down and, and watched three of his games. Um, 
that afternoon uh, in, in Wellstone we sat down and watched Reeves games and after the first 10 minutes <laughs> we knew yeah we knew it's like we that you don't build them up too much <laughs> so uh, Stephen ran back and, and got the ball rolling but now look he's, he's, a, he's a good character we, when we spoke to all the managers that he'd worked with players he's played with everyone them said he, he see what he's doing I've heard some glowing reports yeah, so, uh, no really looking forward to getting him in and, and getting him working with the group so life without Jack we'll, we'll discuss now we're not pinpointing Jack or anything like that but it's a discussion that has been going on with the fans now and you've been planning for life without him so yeah. um, give us your thoughts on that you have to I think it's my job to, to plan without Jack if I, if I, if I turn around to the, to the club and to the fans and the board and in, uh, in January if, if Jack goes and we haven't thought about that or a plan for that I think that's a sackable offence really yeah. you know I think you have to plan for for every every scenario and we've got to plan please God it's, it's with Jack um, but you have to respect that uh, Jack has has done what we brought Jack in to do which was he had to work hard we had to work hard with him getting back to his level he in return he'd help us be successful and we'd help him be successful by playing for Ireland and, and reaching his potential and, and getting to his le- uh, his playing level and he's done that um, and, and with that comes interest and comes uh, clubs who want to take him off your hands and, and we've got to understand that that was always going to be the scenario if we got Jack back to his level um, so now we've got respect and give Jack his space to say we knew this was coming. Yeah. Um. You you've got the right to speak to these people. And thanks see, very much. Yeah. See if it's for you. I wouldn't say thanks very much. Cause <laughs> I want to keep them. Uh, but if it comes to that scenario where Jack says, "Look, I, I think this is where I want to go," like I said, hopefully it's not. But if that happens, you have to say exactly that. Thanks yeah. very much, Jack. You've been nothing but good for us, both on and off the pitch. And you shake his hand. But like I said, hopefully it doesn't come to that. Hopefully he turned around and. And uh, and says now I want to sign my new deal. But it's a major feather in your cap, though, and the rest of the management team to get him to the level that he's at now. In fairness, because when let's be honest, when he did come to you, he was a bit of a wreck. Yeah. Throwing Graham Burke in that conversation. Yeah. You could throw in a lot of players. We're going to talk that. about how they they were both at a low ebb. Yeah, I think Graham said he was thinking of going for a taxi license yeah. when he came back. Yeah. So, I think probably you don't get enough credit for that. And that yeah. You and the management team. You rejuvenated two players like mm. that. And then the development of the other ones as well. This is something we always talk about. It's like you have a pet project and you say to yourself, okay, this is the next one, like Roberto Lopez. That's the best development of any player I've ever seen in the league of all time since I'm watching the league. I don't mm. care what anyone says. You can't match it. Yeah. You've got Jack, the progression of Jack. You've got the transformation of Ronan Finn into a, 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 an attacking fullback. You've got Greener. Like look at the progression of the players, and that's the, that's the, that's something that we we look at, and we're thinking to ourselves, right? What's the, what's the project? What's yeah. next project? Yeah. No, I think um, it's not just me. I have to say, it's the it, it is the genuinely the team that I work yeah. with. Um, I think that's important to say. But I think um, I love that challenge. I love first of all when I meet the player, if I don't feel he's a good person, and I I can connect with him, well then he's not for me. Mm. Um, he's not for us because that's if you can't connect it with the person um, you're never going to connect with the player so I think that's really really important and when I met Jack I knew Jack from when he was home from England I actually used to play against him in five sides we used to meet up and play against each other so I knew he was a good person I knew he was a proper came from a good family yeah. good people um, and had just lost his way mm. um, and had he needed someone to, to believe in him to really believe in him and, and back him and help him yeah he needed to buy into it 
and uh, he taught us a lot more to it than that with the team around me to help Jack as well. But um, that's that's the core to it. You need to um, sit down and look at him in, in the eye and think, is he a good person? Uh, I knew Jack was. Um, his ability, when I signed him, I know there was a lot of people saying, question it. He can't this, yeah, he can't do this, can't do that. And that's Why the problem. Why did he stay long at this club and this club and yeah, this club? Yeah, and that's the problem. You yeah. can't look at that because it's different, different uh, scenarios where people don't uh, do well at certain clubs. There's, you can go into real detail on that. But I think in Ireland we've got a real problem with saying he can't do this, he can't do that. They focus on the negative, don't they? Instead of celebrating what you actually can do and, and enjoying what you can do and, and having basically having the balls to give them the platform to go and produce that because uh, a lot of a lot of people in football, a lot of managers will say, I like creative players, but when a push comes to shove and three points are on the line and you have 7,000 fans screaming at you, they're the easy ones to take out the creative yeah. players that can can maybe mistime a tackle or drop a runner. But, uh, so when the pressure's on, can you give them that grain work again? Another one came home and told me he wanted to go and be a taxi man. And... Uh, <laughs> before I signed them and, and I said to him no you won't you're going to play for Ireland and, and this is how we're going to do it and uh, I'm sure he looked at me like he's he's nuts <laughs> and uh, but um, I, I always believed we could get Graham there and, and, and he went and done it and for me Graham is, is a unique talent like you know he's no spontaneous yeah, talent is he he can score goals out of nothing can, you see him in training some of the stuff he can do yeah. with a football is outrageous Um and I think when you look at the final, how good Graham was, he was the best player on the pitch for me. Um, I thought he was brilliant. Mm. Um, the great chance in extra time as well. Yeah, yeah, he's only getting back to himself. The short season didn't help him. Graham needs a run of games to really yeah. go and, and show his stuff, you know. And I think if it to sum him up on a goal, it'd be Boleslav, wouldn't it? Yeah. At home, that would sum Graham Borg up. Yeah, but he's uh, so there's been a lot of them like that, and I do take pride in enjoying that because I think that's important. It's our responsibility when we sign players to make them the best we can for the team and for the club. And in England, as a manager, you don't have to do that because you have uh, another 10 players there that, and you have a lot of money that you can just keep yeah, going yeah. and signing players. Well, we don't look at like that. We look at us when we sign them that we have a responsibility to make them the best they can be. And uh, just on the press release for the, the photos with the, the four new signings, I just noticed uh, yourself and Stephen looking very sharp. <laughs> uh, with the suit jacks a bit of an upgrade on the green jumper gear yeah we were upset that the green jumpers yeah. green jumper allowed means you're getting a sign in so it's going it? to have to be polar next now polar <laughs> next to suit you're going to have to keep that one dry clean now <laughs> green jumper is actually a phrase now yeah I it's missed like, the green jumper myself to be honest <laughs> uh, Stephen wouldn't let us wear them no uh, we made a decision last year at the final that we get the club suits because we were going to use them for for uh, Europe and, and travelling and when you meet clothes on your way you go for dinners and stuff so we're yeah. going to it makes sense to have a club suit rather than be buying suits every year so uh, it's gonna, I think it's going to be the, the club suit going forward unfortunately um, in the 2020 Champions book yeah, you uh, had a piece in that and you were talking about the signing of Rona Finn which you've just covered so I want to ask you that again but uh, I liked your definition of the, of the group you were talking about that because you it's, it's a phrase you've used a lot over the years actually I remember a journalist spoke to me in your first season as manager and I was like oh what do you, what do you think Stephen and I do you think he'll do well no and he's what like, did you say tell me the truth no no he, I was asking him oh okay yeah mm-hmm. and he was saying he, he uses the word group a lot it's like I was like yeah yeah he does he seemed kind of weary of that but yeah. but you actually kind of explained in the piece you're like you're kind of including everybody in the group you're including your your staff 
volunteers, pretty much everyone who's yeah. put in the same direction at the club. Yeah, I think that's important. I don't think you can be successful without it. I think that's part of the culture change. I think, and like I said, it's not just me or, or the players. It, it's everyone. It's the people that work in the stadium, uh, on a day-to-day basis. The volunteers, uh, the stewards on match days, uh, Billy and his staff look after the the pitch. Um, you see so much work going in to look see yourselves with with the uh, team news and everyone. For me, has to be pulling in the same direction. We all have to be willing to to sacrifice and, and willing to give up things to. To uh, to be successful, so I think uh, without the group mentality and without being together, um, you have no chance. It doesn't matter how talented you are or you think you are as an individual. If you're not within the group or you're not willing to be part of the group and sacrifice sacrifice yourself for the group, well then, like I said, you're not for me. You're not for this club, and uh, I think that's something that needs to remain in this club long after I'm gone. Because when I came in, it wasn't here. It was every man for himself, and uh, there was a reason why we were so far behind Cork and Dundalk um, to where we are now, um, because I felt there was too many people pulling in too many directions, and when I first came in, uh, I know I was being Ruffled told... Ruffled a few feathers, I'd say. Yeah, we did. Uh, people didn't like it, because I was being told to concentrate on the pitch, um, just worry about that, and people thought I was taking my eye off the ball. I wasn't. I just knew the culture behind it was as important as what was happening on the pitch, so we needed to have open and honest conversations and upset a few people uh, but I felt it was important from the outset that everyone knew what we were doing when you look at great organisations like Leinster Rugby in uh, New Zealand um, Man United under Alex Ferguson and there's so many more um, you can go through the Bulls you can go through all them all these organisations it's all about the, the group mentality yeah. so that was one thing that, that we were we were uh, big on and we signed some players that for me Unfortunately, could have, they could have been here uh, longer, had real ability, but they didn't want to buy into the group. So for us, they had to go. Like you know. So there was rumours in the off season before about the likes of Anthony Stokes signing. Do you think he would have fit into that group mentality? Uh, I don't know. I've met Anthony quite a few times. I know Anthony well. Mm. Uh, played with Arsenal. I know him well. Uh, and to be honest, we, we we've we've had him in Roadstone uh, a couple of occasions over yeah. the years um, when he was in between meals. Um, and that was more to get a feel for him as a person, yeah, uh, yeah. where he is now, where he's in his life. Always um, analysing people. <laughs> yeah, I think you have to. and Because you'll never get them all right. That's obviously, you're, you're signing players, you'll never get them all right. But um, I think, if you, like I said, if you, if you get their personality and the character right, you, you're, you're never a million miles off. Like yeah. that, so. Just one more note on, on the group. I, I, I thought about a game, uh, again, in your first season. It was on RTE. And the commentator spent a lot of the match talking about how many coaches we had on the bench it was like oh we have so many coaches we have Stephen Bradley and we have McPhail and we have they Damien use any stick to beat us with us we have thing. Ben Cronin it was like oh there's seven or eight of them but uh, and they were like look at Darren Dillon Darren yeah. Dillon's giving instructions there He's, <laughs> and we were taking the piss out of Darren but that you remember <laughs> but uh, yeah I was writing an article recently about how the evolution of substitutes how we've gone from making one and now we have five but we have a few listeners who might be might have been gone to Middletown in the 60s they might remember the days where you just had the trainer and the coach in the dugout and that's it. And mm. But now, of course, in the modern game, you've got a whole technical team. And this yeah. is your team. This is your. They bring their own experience. You need them and you trust them, obviously. Yeah, you, you touched on a trust. is the big one. But when you go back to, like you said, them days where it was just 11 players, maybe one sub, and they played every week. Um, what, obviously, football has changed so much now. The, the problem with that is the team has become bigger so you need a sports scientist you need a nutritionist you need all this mm. well, what comes with that then 
comes everyone going in different directions. So that's the key to it. You need if if you're gonna bring in all these people, you need to trust them and you need to allow them to do the job because that's what you bring them in to do. But the message has to be the same from so if you see Darren Dillon or Glenn Cronin or Tony McCarthy or uh, Jerry Bourne talking to someone on the pitch, which Jerry shouldn't be doing, but if they, if they're all if they're doing it, I feel like Ray Wayne is not getting enough credit here. Well, yeah, Ray, yeah, with the field, no, Ray's great. But if if you see them talking, I guarantee you the message that's coming from each and every one of them will be along the same lines because, um, like I said, it has to be we, it has to be we, like you know the group, it has to be, and like I said, if no one doesn't want to be part of it, they're not for us. Right, so talk about winning the league. Uh, pinnacle it really was the pinnacle so you and your staff you've been working towards this for four years um, is ultimately this is you want this is the, what you want to build on the cup final last year was huge that's what we built the platform on to move on to the next level do you feel like you're progressing every year and yeah. have you felt like you've progressed as a squad since the cup final yeah. mentally as well yeah I think we've progressed every year um, I know we have um and people have their opinions on the pitch. That's that's fine. But I'm talking about everything. We've progressed. So uh, the turning point I've said on record was Dundalk when they beat us one 0 on Tala um, last summer. I think um, after the break, I think it was actually Sean Gannon who scored. Got in behind Trevor. That was yeah. the turning point for me and and this group uh, because we we completely dominated every aspect of the game I think when you look at the stats there was 68% possession in our favour I think we had 18 shots compared to their two yeah they win the most important one they win the game but that was the real turning point for us as a group to say I felt in the dressing room before and after the game that we felt that we were the better team and that was the that was the first time that happened it was genuine as well yeah yeah, it was genuine because we'd lost the game and it's very easy to to forget all that I think Sean um, Gannon scored the winner. He right? scored the winner, yeah. getting behind Trevor. Yeah. It rolled header, it in. Yeah, rolled it in through uh, Alan's legs, I think, in the far corner. But um, that was the turning point that we knew before the game, I felt the energy, uh, I felt the confidence, and after the game, I even felt the more. Um, and we grew from that, and we've grown a lot of stuff behind the scenes has helped us, like I said, with the whole culture. But we've grown, for me, every game, every every year. Um, and at the cup final was the... The, the big one in terms of the, that mentality so that game when we lost it on dock it was the turning point in terms of we knew we could go toe to toe with them and be the better team uh, because they were the benchmark at the end of the day so we knew that was the turning point in that scenario but winning the cup was the turning point and actually yeah we're the better team but now we can get over the line Yeah. now we can go and win it we have proof now yeah. pretty much so once we did that um, it was about making sure the basics are right getting back walking Walking our balls off from January, and uh, and going and grabbing the league, and that's that's what we done. We felt that we started right now to catch us, and, and that's that proved to be the case. So we've Champions League qualification as well. How important is that now, considering the new structure and the new tiers? That's why this winning the league. Uh, that's why that was in the timeline for that year. To be honest, that's that's, and it's not saying it because it happened. We knew this was coming down the road years ago. This format because you have to vote on this as a club few years back mm. so when all the big boys the big clubs around Europe the Madrids and the PSGs and when they're coming to you at these meetings and saying we need you to vote on this but we'll give you this the Europa League too okay, yeah. so when they're coming and saying that four years ago we knew this was going to get passed so that's what happens in all these circles so when you vote then you give them your vote they give you your vote and uh, they're trying to make the elite elite 
that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. Completely separate. But with that, they're saying, well, we give you an extra revenue stream with the Europa League too. So that's why winning this league was the most important one because the Europa League too was coming mm. next season. So that was that's why the, in the in the plan we had it was always to mm. to win it this year. Like you know, it's only half a league though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell us, uh, you've been dealing with the media in four and a half years. Is there something you've become better at? Considering we've actually won a cup final now as well. Yeah, one of the most famous quotes that we were beaten. Yeah, yeah. But do you think you've become better as regards with your media work? Yeah, obviously I think I have. Yeah, but I, I, and I think uh, there's still times you make mistakes and say things. Maybe not mistakes. Yeah, and when you look back, but at the time you say what you feel. And sometimes so your emotion yeah sometimes, yeah and, and sometimes <coughs> you, you you think i shouldn't have said that and but it's all part of the learning it's all part of my development um and uh look it's i think i've said it's very easy to to go and manage a team down the bottom of the fourth division and that and you say it doesn't really get any coverage in anyway but when you're with this club you have to recognize very early that when you say stuff in the media it gets Point too calm yeah so you have to learn that quickly and like I said, I definitely still make mistakes with it, and I'm sure I continue to do so. But it's it's part of my uh, progressing as a as a manager. I think that um, you get better with dealing with with the media. A lot of people found you very open and honest mm. when you started. Mm. Do you think maybe actually you were too open and honest yeah. at times? Yeah, I think I was. Yeah, I think yeah, it was. Um, a part of that was frustration because I knew how far we were behind Dundalk and, mm. and Cork. But I knew what we needed to do to get them, um, and you want that to happen now. You wanted that, like the fans. You wanted to happen yeah. tomorrow, but you know you can't do that. Mm. Uh, and with that comes frustration, and you end up talking. Our school and our tournament <laughs> to being too open to the media, and uh, and um, it can come back to hurt you. But like I said, it's part of learning and, and uh, understanding that any any uh, sort of good change takes time. With cards you know. are closer to the chest now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you. Probably speak more open and honest and things like this than than I would to, to any of the media all year to be honest. So when Carol rocks up with the with the microphone, do you be thinking what what's he gonna love at me today? What stat is he gonna hit me with today? Is he a negative? Mostly positive all the time. But I think at one stage we had really do, do remember 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 used to the stats all the time. We used to bring out the stats. They actually got pulled one week because Nutsi wasn't happy with them they were that negative we were that shy <laughs> we were that shy under Nutsi Nutsi got them pulled yeah. that happened that's officially happened Nutsi goes don't 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 print them and they got yeah. pulled they were that bad, bad I mean, we were looking at them we were thinking <laughs> fucking hell we are muck <laughs> so uh, do you, when when Carl rocks up do you be, what do you be thinking uh, no I'm quite I'm quite at ease with Carl to be honest uh, I know now he, he throws ridiculous stats at you <laughs> um, so I'm uh, I, uh, I do be ready for them to be fair and sometimes I'd ring Carl actually and, uh, and ask him to, to research something for me um, but no look I'm quite comfortable with, with Carl not just saying because obviously he's here but we don't we, we speak quite regular so uh, quite comfortable in, in that scenario and, and uh, I, I like the stats I think even at the start um they, they can't be nice to look at sometimes mm. but I like them because it's motivation I remember sitting at the PFEI Awards me and Glenn on our first year um, and we'd, I think we'd scraped for it someone won the cup and we got Europe that was the aim can we get Europe But and that was annoying me I remember going in the dressing room and people were celebrating that we finished fourth and I fucking said to Glenn this is our problem like you know and uh, so we went to the awards because uh, I've seen Void went there and we're sitting there and every video that was up on the screen was negative about us 
every goal they scored was about us. Every fella that was up for an award, it was foot. Goal against, against us. us, yeah. That always happens, isn't it? I remember saying to Glenn, this isn't happening again. We need to change this. And we, and we used the stats. And that's why I always say to you, we build everything on clean sheets because the goals against us was really big when we came in. And I think Carol again will tell me, I think we have the best record now in, in a long, long time, have we, in terms of goals conceded. So, um, well, seven goals, that's the fewest ever in a season. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's only 18 games, but it's still so, a record, yeah. So, uh, no, we, well, I like them. I like to use them. I like to... Uh, Tournament nice to know where you stand as well. Yeah, isn't I it? like to face them. I don't like it. Was like the cup final last year. Everyone, I felt, even when I was a player in the cup, I felt that we shied away from not winning it in so long. And I felt last year we had to make sure that wasn't the case. We had to listen to all of that and, and embrace it and, and use it as motivation and, mm. and uh, meet it head on. And, and, and we obviously did that. But yeah, I, I like stats. I don't like shying away from <laughs> good or bad. I think my favourite ever interview with you was I asked you once about a player called Tim Lindhorst. Yeah. And uh, I think he was at fault for about five of the goals <laughs> yeah. in the friendly with Celtic. Exactly. He was yeah. on Bambi on Ice that day. And I just asked you, I was like, so what about Tim? Would you like to look at him? He just said, no. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair to Tim, right? Them games against Celtic were a disaster, weren't they? Because we obviously played the night before. I think they were full strength as well, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, and they were always using, they used it as, a, as the end of season, pre-season game. So they were at full strength all the time. And I remember Brendan, I'd be close with Brendan, and Brendan used to ring me the week of the game because we always had a tough game the night before. And he obviously used to give me a bit of stick about the game the next day, like we're, we're going to try hitches for this. And I knew we had a bunch of kids and trialists and against them full strength you're thinking we're going to get here here but you had to do it for the financial aspect yeah. and the relationship we had with the club and, uh, and and the relationship I had with Brendan but to be fair Celtic used to under Brendan they used to come and watch us the night before so wherever we played he came out the court to watch us really? Uh, yeah he came out the court to watch the night before we played them um, I'm not sure where it's Gavin Saif. Um but we played them the next day and uh, had a good chat room after on the way home the bus about how we played and what we're doing you could see what we were doing, and uh, well, yeah, it was a nightmare the next day going out and playing them with the, with the players. We had that poor team got thrown into deep end. I think, yeah, he, uh, he came to us at half time and said he had to come off that his uncle's dog was at the door, <laughs> he wasn't feeling too he well. The so. profit done a better job than uh, they have, yeah. So, afterwards, we were having a chat with him in the office, and obviously, didn't go too well. And it was funny, Steve Maffel just walked in and just said, Tim, I'm at the book on your flight, it's time for you to go. Like, <laughs> I thought that was the end of that, like, you know, but now he's a good fella, he just. I'm trying to deep end to be fair to I wasn't expecting a Tim Lindhorst anecdote that was <laughs> but uh, yeah there was a great Guardiola quote the other day I thought he said uh, you win and you're a genius lose and you should be sacked uh, I think that should be applied to media interviews as well I think if you win what you say sounds like wisdom and if you lose it sounds like weak excuses hmm. because what the modern game is hmm. football fans have very little patience these days unfortunately yeah. Yeah, do you know what, I'm always conscious, I don't know how it comes across, but I'm always conscious of not to give uh, excuses of why we lost. I think you, you can give uh, valid reasons and, and it, like I said, things to happen in the game, but um, you've lost for a reason, Like so try not to look at excuses. Um, and uh, like I said, yeah, a lot of the media that, let's be honest, there's a lot of the media in this country that all want us to be successful, that's obvious. Yeah. So uh, even when we win, we don't get the credit we deserve. Um, I don't think the players get the credit they deserve off a lot of there's some media that do give it to us but there's a lot that don't and uh, and we just got to accept it and, and, and roll with it because it's not going to change anytime soon I think it's quite easy to see 
uh, certain teams get celebrated for for winning a couple of games, you know, and and what what uh, the players have done the last fourteen months has been incredible, and yeah. and certain parts of the media like to like to close mm. that out, you know. I don't think we've given them much to talk about because we've won 15 out of 18 games. We've been consistent no, all that's year. Point. They don't yeah. give us the credit for what we've done on the pitch. Yeah. You know, yeah, and if we had any sort of indifferent results, they'd give us the shells and, and pats. I think the ones that were waiting for us to slip up couldn't wait to write their articles and <laughs> yeah. say that we'd, uh, it was a masterclass from shells at home. Now a master class <laughs> one ten players in your box like it's yeah exactly it's, yeah. Uh, Greg Rogers was here he said the same thing basically he said, he said yeah. that's the easiest thing the easiest to do thing in football do. we could have done it against Milan yeah you exactly know, the easiest yeah. thing in the world and hope to make something from a set play but for me that's not us we go out on the shield you go out and play to what we do and, and trust what we do what's the point in us saying we're building this we have this culture and then we come to one game and say we're going to completely change you don't actually really believe in what you do do you so we, we don't do that and like I said when the entry draws happen certain parts of the media uh, couldn't wait to get their articles out and, and have a go with us like you know and, and I know who they are and I think most people do and mm. again we use that we, we, we use that as motivation so funny enough talking about Europe and talking about Milan I think one thing I remember about Milan I think three times in a row we played the ball to Pigo in our own box Alan did and he's just walking the ball out I'm looking at it going look look at what we're doing against AC Milan like, <laughs> mm. this is unbelievable so we're going to talk about Europe and the Juve's game the crazy night and the mm. 26 game penalties and the fans on the wall um, you experienced a similar penalty shootout marathon for Drada before so tell us your thoughts on the game Juve's was a tricky one because when you watch them uh, those times you've watched them and you think these are a pub team they were really poor and then I spoke to a few people that I worked with that lived over there and they said to me, no, these are good sites. You, you've seen bad games and they gave me certain games to watch um, from, from the previous year and said, watch these games. And we watched them, you thought, right, these are these are good sites. Yeah. Tactically, they were really switched on. They were very, very good in transition, like really good. One of the best we've played in all the time in Europe. Better than AOK, better than all them brand, better than all them in transition. And they were set up for that. Um, so when I spoke to to uh, the lad that I spoke to, he was uh, he said, you know, these are a proper side, like you know, and and I think we seen that in the night. And the problem was, our players were hearing, um, through social media and different people that this is an easy game, and and I'd say you hate when that creeps Yeah, well, because we knew. Sometimes it's true. <laughs> Sometimes it, it it is a pretty easy game, but we knew watching this, these are a good side, like you know, tactically, like I said, really, really switched on. And we break down the games. Uh, we knew they were going to be on it, and and uh, they proved to be the case that night. I think we started really sloppy, and just gave them a bit of confidence and a foothold in the game, and they grew and showed the quality. And uh, in the end, we we did really well to get the penalties. And and once you get the penalties, I always say, we always fancy a chance because of Alan. Um, we always feel it save a couple, um, and, and give us a chance. And the players showed. I think Liam got sent off late on the game, wasn't it? So mm. we had mm. obviously extra time. Uh, they showed tremendous character to, to stick together, and because, like I said, they were a good side, a really good side. What was going through your head during that penalty shootout? Like your heart must have been in bits. I'm actually calm, and I don't under, I don't quite understand it. Uh, well, I think it's because we've done our work, and 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 if I always say to the players, if if we leave everything on the pitch and we bring our identity to the game, and it's not enough, and we get beaten by penalties. Well, sometimes that's flip of a coin, really. Sometimes you gotta take that on on the chain and say, you know what, we gave, 
but if you go out and, and you play with fear and you don't bring what we bring to the table and it goes to penalties, that's when you're in right. That's when you're thinking, we didn't leave a good count ourselves. We're against Dundalk in the final. I felt we were a better team. So whatever happened, I felt we were on the right course. The big one was obviously getting over the line to get that win. Uh, and then I was, I felt uh, the players had dug in and given everything for each other. Like you look at Jack, people tell me he couldn't run. And that night he did 14k. Mm -hmm. So like when, when you have someone like that given... Uh, that sort of distance to the team well then you've left everything out there and then whatever happens in the, in the penalties happen so th I think that's why they'll be calm and, and composed really in the, in the penalties of course there's, there's so much at stake though isn't there I mean it's not it's not like going to be a cup quarter final or something that we're talking about 200-300 grand mm. we're talking about coefficients to try and be seated next year mm. so in that sense there's so much on the line yeah. and for that to go 26 penalties and for, for every pound to be of such high quality, it was absolutely insane. Yeah, and no, I was, it was, a, it was a really high level, um, really high level. I, like I said, I've played them before, so I saw her, when we were going through it, I was saying to Glenn, like, this is going all the way, because they were so, sometimes you see them and they're mishitting them, or they're going under the keyboard, these are proper quality yeah. penalties. Like, you know, so you're thinking, this is, this is going the distance. Um, well, sorry, I skipped over the fans there. That night, I was actually shocked, I remember speaking afterwards, and when we heard someone singing, I was like, what, what's going on? <laughs> and we looked down to the down to the corner and seen the fans, and it was unbelievable. Like The boost they gave everyone was was unbelievable. Like It really was, because we missed it for so long, yeah. and we forgot what it felt like to, to have that there. Like, you know, so that was that was tremendous that night. It was a real boost for us. That helped us. Uh, you can thank a dodgy night. stream for that, because really? we were all in Malloy's, mm -hmm. and yeah. the stream died, and we were looking at the coast and <laughs> fuck it, we're going. Down there, you want to see? You want to see the effort trying to get up on the wall? Yeah, Stephen, how did a couple of broken <laughs> limbs. It really, no, it was unbelievable. It really just was. As the legend, we actually legend. had a staff yeah. meet out last night. We went for a meal with the boys and that, and, and that came up. Darren, Darren Dillon always talks about. He said that night was incredible because it was like a bit of a shock to the system, like you know, in terms of who who's singing, where does this come yeah, from? Yeah. We looked down, we seen the flares, and it was uh, now it was brilliant. It was brilliant, like you know. When you talk about uh, great atmospheres that, that we've had, you, like, you'd probably say the cup final or you'd say Dundalk 3-2 earlier yeah. this year. But when I think about fans making a massive difference, I actually think about the wins over Brand and Applewell in Europe. They kind of stick out for me because both times we got behind and then within seconds of the ball hitting the net, the fans are singing again and getting behind the team. And I think that's, that's goodwill that you and the team had generated over a few years' time. Because if that had been a few years ago, it would have been deathly silent and the wind booze. Mm. But in this case, we got behind you immediately. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think you're right. It definitely helps. But if you think about this, you're a, you're a player for uh, Limassol, or you're a player for Brand, and you've come to Tala, and they've scored, you're hoping then the crowd turn. You're hoping yeah. that the crowd get etchy and the... They turn on their own team. Then it becomes a comfortable game for them. But mm. when the opposite happens, as an opposition player, you're thinking, holy f like It's great to hear you actually how are we gonna saying that that's the case, that people yeah. and fans and managers actually do. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, you feel fans it. Fans are a factor. And you know they feel it. When we spoke to Brian after the game, they couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe it. So, as well as for us and our players, when you put yourself in their shoes, they've just scored. Like the fans should be getting a bit touchy, but yeah, it's yeah. gone the opposite way where the fans have started singing and got, got up out the seats. They're thinking, we're in for a long night here. And, and I think that's the big impact it has. And when I say about 
other teams and other players come to Tala and enjoying no crowd, that's why. Because when I don't think you can, you, when there's seven and a half thousand there or six, wherever it is, passionate fans. And and like I said, they've just scored, I'll put you on the back four, or you've had a man sent off, but the crowd go again. You're thinking, Jesus. There's like, no stopping it. Yeah, yeah, we're in for a long night here. And, and that has a massive impact. But the European games, AOK and Apollon, the, the ones that got away, you reckon? Particularly, AOK was a stinger for us because we were in the corner, weren't we? In the, it was the very, very corner, the gang of us, and just we were right beside, I think it was the Joel, Joel, the Joel chance, and then Aaron at the end as well, and th- that one was the biggest stinger for, for Gavin me. Gavin was the only one juggling the ball. like a In front of like a 20,000 ultras in the cove. Yeah. Well, that's what made Gavin yeah. so special, wasn't it? His mentality. Um, I think um, the the AOK game when we got drawn with them we knew everything was talking about their budgets 10 times errors they this they that but when we watched them sometimes you look at opposition and think they're made for us and we knew they were made for us mm. they, they were stiff and rigid and we knew they were made for us and how they played how they set up um, and, and <coughs> it's a real turn aside that one and the Limassol because that one Joel's one on one has to score does not like it's it's on his left foot it's a lot of time has to score and uh, Aaron Green hit the post in the last minute the header from a header so that's when that really hurt us um, and then at the Limassol game they started really well we didn't start well and they obviously got a foot on the game but when when you know how we work every day and the language you use with the players and all our video the goals the two goals we conceded were everything we're against mm. and uh, that's why that was so disappointing because they didn't create anything other than obviously scored the goals but they were really poor from our point of view and the easily players avoided knew, yeah the players knew straight away this isn't something that we look back and say we should have done that this is something we've been talking about for years mm. and we use every day in our language how we try and every day when we do our video analysis this can't happen and we allowed it to happen twice in that game and we got punished the only team we've played in Europe outside AC Milan was the, the Czech team they were the only team we felt at the time we were at a level and they were at a different level to us yeah Particularly were, over there, I thought yeah, they were really good. They were at a different level. We were only grown and they were at their peak. I think they sold the, one of the players the next week, 10 or 15 million. The boys scored against us. So we knew, and they told us before the game that was happening, they felt that was their best squad they'd had and, and we knew we were grown. So that was the only time, other than Milan, that we felt... Those conversations between club officials must be very... Uh, what's, what's that like? So you meet up with them and you just chat about your squads, you chat about how you think it's going to go. Is it always... Uh, like? Is it always niceties like, or is there ever any? No, sometimes there's not. Sometimes you don't get on, but it's when the club comes to Ireland, you take them out the night before for a meal, mm-hmm. and you go there, they take you out for a meal, and uh, and you end up obviously talking, and, and a lot of them. Uh, when we played Brand, it was interesting because the the media and, and over there didn't rate us uh, Irish teams, and and mm. the Brand uh, chairwoman, and you know, she chairwoman said to us at the time. We're so worried about this game. We really? watch this against AOK and, and we've watched this. Yeah, we know he's a like proper team they're worried about. Um, and I don't think that got to the manager because he was he was so arrogant. But and anyway, we uh, we again Bram one other one we looked at. We felt we could we could hurt them. Yeah. When you, when, you, when you look at like I said, when you look at certain teams, they they set off and how they set up and the type of players and how they play and, and we felt Bram were, were were made for us. Yeah, I heard the brand manager was absolutely a broken man after yeah. that game. He was absolutely <laughs> shell shocked. Yeah, that we had from as well because as you said, he was he was terrible over there. He, he was a lot of the, when you played the Milan's and and the Juventus and the Real Madrid's. 
the big clubs, special clubs for a reason because the way they handle themselves on yeah. and off the pitch, they were so classy and everything they did before and after. But Bran over there were really poor, really poor, and, and um, to to the point where he said something to the players coming off the, the pitch, which was he said we'll bring the A team to Dublin next week, and uh, and we said wow, interesting, right? So. We didn't have to have a team talk then. No, <laughs> thanks, mate. You know, yeah, yeah. So, a few uh, times now your team talk has been written for yeah, you. Yeah, so I, I thought it was really, really arrogant, you know. Uh, AC Milan were classy. Everything they done, yeah. Like I said, I think when you... Did you have a good chat with Maldini? Yeah, we had a good chat with Maldini. The manager, I think the manager played, won the European Cup, played in World Cups. And like So proper football people, Casillas I knew from Arsenal, um, from working for them and from a scout. Yeah. Uh, I was under him, so I knew him from Arsenal, so... Uh, but they knew everything about us when we sat down with them before the game. Maldini, yeah. he was able to tell us everything. Really? How we played, uh, types of system. He hadn't seen it before in Ireland. Uh, he said it was more continental. He knew everything about us, all the detail. And I thought, when I heard that, sat, sat down, because a lot of the media were talking about they've been off and so on. We sat down with Maldini. They were clued in. We knew they were, they were on it, like, you know, they were proper ready for us because they'd done the homework and given you that respect. And then afterwards, they were. We sat down with them for a, for a half an hour and they were so complimentary of how we played, uh, where we caused them problems and, and how we did and, and asked did we target that area and why did we target them. Proper good football mm. conversation, which is nice mm. because you think mm. players at that level and people, Paolo Maldini, one of the greatest ever, isn't he? You think they wouldn't really have an interest or would be slightly arrogant. He was, he was an unbelievable, classy man like, you know, in, in every sense. I don't know if you heard this stat, uh, I can't take credit for it, but uh, Aaron Green had more chances against Milan than Celtic did. Yeah, well I watched the game, so I do know it, yeah, I watched the Celtic game, because I was very interested to see the, what type of game it would be. Um, and uh, it sounds it sounds strange and probably sound a bit naive. When we Before we played Milan, we knew the quality. You're watching them and thinking the quality. But we knew we could create chances. If we stuck to what we did, because the way they played, they pushed the full-backs up as wingers. The full-backs, the left, the left-back is probably, he will be the best left-back in the world. And But he played as a left-winger. Uh, and we knew, and they did that right-back, and we knew all we had to do, uh, we could hurt them. Basically, we could hurt them. And and when we sat down and went through it, uh, for the week leading up to the game, uh, we knew we could create chances. And, and how we did, with Aaron and Jack playing in, in, in that pocket, and and uh, just would have been nice if we had scored one of them early chances see how looked that quality probably was still shown in the end but it would have been interesting to see how the game went but we knew we, we knew we could hurt him at the back like. did you talk to Zlatan at all did you have any chats with him we've heard no, some no, funny, he, he, funny was, uh, he was funny yeah I didn't I just he just said well done and good luck but no yeah I didn't talk to him but I'm sure uh, see the type of crack that goes on the pitch like with Joey yeah. he offered Joey a job and stuff yeah. like that now would you would you let that go off the pitch or would you keep it on it Considering how he conducts himself after the game, is it is that the way it works? Like, let's yeah. say he's saying to you, "Oh, yeah, come work for me." Yeah. But after the game, once he shows respect, do you think it doesn't matter what happens in the ninety? Yeah, I think that's part and parcel of football. All that is is him trying to get his edge. Yeah, he's just trying to get Joey thinking of it. What did he just say to me for <laughs> five minutes so we can score or for take his mind off the game? Ten seconds out of set play so we can get ahead for a header. That's all that is. That's I think that happens every every. Uh, every week up and down the country in every league um, not to that extent because not many lads would be hurting gardeners in LA but um, <laughs> I think uh, yeah no, I think that's just like you said once he comes off the pitch and he hands himself the way he is he was brilliant with the players with the ball boys with the kids with, 
he was excellent man. Look, do our do our class, do yeah. our class club. We'll talk about the the tough run that we had against Bowes and uh, can you remember thinking to yourself, this just isn't going to end? When I think how many games did we go? Eight. Yeah. Eight games without a win. That would have been the guts of maybe three seasons. So, um, what were you thinking towards the end of it? Were you thinking, is this ever going to happen? No, no, we wasn't uh, thinking that. Um, a lot of factors came into it, but I remember once looking at my head was one in daily amount we, we played. Ethan got caught in the ball, we gave away a penalty. Uh, I don't know whether he missed the penal and then scored. Yeah, I think it's Dinny, Dinny, was it? Yeah, I think he missed one and then Jack gave a penalty scored the second one. Um, that was the one. That was the one where we had to decide uh, as a team and as a staff. Uh, that tested us in terms of the the change how you approach games or you know, and what what came out of meeting was no, we don't change. We just need to improve what we do. We're better tactical understanding better quality and better players and, and that's what we've done because the move where we gave away the ball for the panel was something we'd worked on it was just yeah. poor quality from our point of view but we it cost us badly we lost yeah. the game and lost three points so that always after which asking serious questions is, is it right what we're doing um, and that's that can be healthy because it makes you analyse everything you're doing yeah. and, and question everything you're doing well what came out of the meeting uh, was no we, we don't change this is what we do we're just going to make it better. The process. Yeah, we're just going to make it better. But did you think some of those games had just become a law upon themselves? They just become derbies, and no matter what we did, they just became derbies. Yeah, well, some of them were fine margins. I remember Aaron Green got sent off in Daily Mount, and when we reviewed the footage to go to the appeal, he actually didn't make contact with the player at all. His feet did not make contact. Their bodies touched each other, but he didn't make contact. And and in the report was a dangerous two foot tackle. No, he was going for the ball. I thought. Yeah. But when you watch it back, their feet don't actually collide. It's, his hip hits him. And sent, but so, my point is, Aaron gets sent off, we lose the game. It's fine margins. And then yeah. there's times where we've missed a header at the back post or wherever, and they've gone up and scored off a set play. And that's the same with the cup final. It's the same with sometimes <coughs> then games come down to small margins because there's no going away from when the fans are in. It's a different game. Like In terms of, it's uh, it's you feel the attention, you feel the atmosphere around. So, that can affect the quality of the actual game. Yeah. Um, and, and then when it comes down to that, then it's fine margins. Just a bit of a media question, Ian, because it kind of interests me, but do you think too much emphasis emphasis was put on the derby around that time? Because it seemed like you, that would be all you were asked about. And this mm. can go back to the media outlets yeah. that don't yeah. really give us the the credit that we deserve as regards to they'd hype up the media mm. quite a lot and put a lot of pressure on. Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head. You've answered and you've, or you've asked and you've answered <laughs> because I think that's exactly what was happening there was here in media outlets that wanted to build up like that because they wanted to build pressure around our players and our club that that's that wasn't happening by fluke that was that was uh, people were waiting for that um, and that's why that was happening me as the manager I have to answer the questions because I'm out there and if you had your way you wouldn't do any the media before the game but you have to promote the game yeah. you have to promote the club you have to promote the, mm. the league so yeah that's an obligation that you have to do and with that comes that question that they were all waiting not all of them some of them were waiting to ask and mm-hmm. not just once or twice they were building and building and building so again our thing was it well we're going to have to answer it. it's out there do you try and hide from it or do you actually embrace it and use it and, and that's what we've done mm-hmm. and uh, again we had a good chat it'll stay in house what we spoke about and, and how we slightly changed things in that game but um, the players have been excellent they've dealt with and now it's just um they just go and do it with the game now. 
Yeah. Having said that, it, it, it was going to be a big team with the fans as well. Yeah. That was a massive deal for Derby. So that obviously was going to irk a lot of the fan base, that, that horrible run. So yeah. it wasn't just the media, I suppose. Yeah, no, but you understand the fans' point of view. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Because it's a derby. And any game you're losing. Mm. But when it's a derby, that's that's the natural that's reaction. Story, yeah, that's fine. They're not trying to build something that's not there. Yeah. That's just emotion that's coming out. And that's that's where you pay their money. So they can go to the stadium and have an opinion and yeah, yeah. be emotional, whether it's joy or anger or sadness, whatever it is, that's that's football. But mm. when it's when it's coordinated in a in a negative way by certain parts of the media and you know it is and it's coming, um that that's a bit that annoys you but the fan stuff, that's you have to accept that, that's football. But the the next next up we're gonna talk about the my my favourite moment from you as well. Yeah. Um, this is still my favourite moment. Uh the semi final. And it was, it was the most nervous I've ever been in any Rovers game because I just thought to myself, how are we gonna beat these in the early mount? We'd only scrape by the mentality, didn't we? One 0 with the Borky goal and the Borky had two headers off the off the mm. line yeah. before that. Yeah. And I just thought to myself how are we going to do this? It's just, it's daunting. And then we popped up with the tactical masterclasses. We just totally changed it. Mm. So tell me, what, what made you go for that approach? Because my, my take on it, my uh, blunt take on it was that we just worked, you could say, the people are laughing now, but we worked the channels very well, I thought. And we it wasn't, I think it was similar to Michael O'Neill, the way some people used to say Michael O'Neill would be long ball, but it'd be direct, you could say, kick and, not kick and run, what was it? You're trying to be nice to Michael Herr, isn't you? Yeah, I'm trying to ball. Not, like yeah, direct, direct <laughs> passes. Yeah. But it was different. So tell us what made you go for the different different approach. Lee Grace's best game in, in a Rovers jersey, in my we, opinion. We've heard that a lot of prep went into this. Yeah, no, there was a lot of detail in it, and I won't go into it because we obviously have to play them again. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want to go into the detail but, um, of what, what we did in our video and what we did in the training pitch leading into it. But we did slightly tweak it. Uh, for that game um, and, and it worked and again it's hard to talk about without going into Aaron Green was excellent as well he was involved Aaron in a lot good. yeah the biggest threat was the was the wide man wasn't it Danny Grant and, and yeah. Twardick they were the biggest threat so we had to nullify that and, and we did and we've done that ever since but again a lot of detail but we can't yeah. no point going into it really was it a corner? no <laughs> So just a little bit on, we won't spend too much time on it, but the, the sticky spells around then, you know, like 2018. Yeah. Uh, you, you've spoken before about the board. They were, you know, they were very supportive for you. I think you said, was it Jonathan rang you and said, you've nothing to worry about. So that's obviously huge for you when you've got that, that backing. Yeah, I think that the sticky spells are fine. That It's part of our change, our, our process. Did we want them? Did I want them banners? Did I want, no, of course not. You wanted to be playing Thailand. We have to understand that it's not always going to be the case. So the important thing for us was not to come away from what we seen as our team, what the identity of our team, what we wanted it to look like, what we wanted the club to look like in a few years. And I remember after the night after the game, uh, the banners at Dundalk game, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a board meeting in Wellstone the next day, and the board couldn't have been any more helpful. We yeah. sat down, forget about the game. We talked about the game. Now let's put to bed. Did they talk about the enough is enough banners? Yeah, is everything alright? I said, yeah, it's fine. I have to accept it. We got beat five two at home. That's not good enough. Whether you're fighting for fourth or fourth, you know this club shouldn't be getting beaten like that at home. Yeah, to anything whether you have youngsters on the pitch or they're a stronger squad or spending a million more than you, 
at the end of the day, you, you can do sh- mm. what Shells did doesn't sit behind the ball, turn in the box and not get beat. Yeah. 5-2. And we did, so I just got to accept that that's criticism. And, um, I think it goes back to the, po- the the point that I made before is that we were turned into a bastard club is what I was saying. We were sacking managers every year. It just wasn't going down well where we had to just say, okay, we're going to take and put our trust in somebody and it's ultimately worked out so far. But the problem was is that we were just second managers. Therefore, we were chopping and changing. It wasn't working. See, the problem was yeah. that from when I came in again, I go back to the coach and you could talk for hours about it. But we, we, we kept talking about, and I'm sure the fans, but in-house, when I came into the club, everyone was talking about Cork and Dundalk and everyone else instead of us. Yeah. No one was talking about us and how we were going to improve. What were we doing to make us better? Forget about what everyone else is doing. How are we going to become better? And that was the starting block. So this is how we're going to become better. This is where we want to be in four years' time, five years' time. But how are we going to get there? And and so that was the plan and the process. And um, it changes along the way because you sell players, you lose players, you sign players that aren't quite good, you sign some that have some others that go to another level. So yeah. it changes along the way, but as long as the big picture doesn't change. So when we met the board the next day, everything was, what do you want for next year? Where are we going? Is everything okay? You, have you seen signed? Is so it was all planning for so when you leave that room as a manager there's total clarity and yeah. we're all in the one you didn't one feel way. and when you walked in no. initially were you thinking bollocks no because I had a call off a few of the board members saying look there's a lot of noise none of it is yeah. true this is what we're doing so fan we're, generated noise yeah, more than that a lot of noise and again the media outlets that we speak, speak about we're, we're, we're big on it mm-hmm. um, so when we when we left that room it gave me great clarity and and um, mm and where we wanted to go and how we were going there not just me me and my staff but it meant we didn't have to panic and and uh, rush into any any silly decisions we could stick to the plan and, and what we what we felt was, was the right way to go Was it tough for your family at all and, and you and, as a person for during those trouble times? That was the hard bit my kids was the hard bit because they go to the games and, and they seen that and felt the anger and emotion they couldn't understand why it's directed at me because they, they were young Mm. Uh, but I've, I've said when I lost my me, me mother I lost the closest thing to me um, in my life the, the thing that I'd hold most dearest to me and when you lose that there's nothing in your professional life that can actually affect you and I, I feel that to this day when so when, when things are said on the pitch or in the press or online or whatever that can't affect yeah, can't yeah, yeah. Like, yeah people say it, and that's fine people have an opinion about you that's fine you're, you're in a high profile job it can never haunt me because what taught me the most was taken away from me so um, I always look like that what so I've never ever heard anyone talk like yeah. that was regarding football that's yeah so what happens in my professional life can never really affect my personal life yeah you can get sacked and everything else but it can't really really affect you when you when you when you, you, you get on with life but my kids had to sit down and explain to them that that's daddy's job that's what I do and, yeah and uh, the people in the in the ground sometimes will be angry and sometimes will be happy and that's directed at me sometimes and that's fine so they understand that now. They 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 genuinely me all the one Jaden and uh, Ella, uh, ten well eleven and ten going on now. They they get it. They understand now that that that's the way it goes. Like yeah, my young lad Jaden as well. I say to him, but yeah. you here in the stadium, stays in the stadium. Yeah, yeah, exactly. that's Don't the way bring it, goes, it out. You know? and, and like I said, people pay their money. <laughs> they go to they go to the stadium. They have a right to voice an opinion, mm. opinion and, and that's the way it goes. You still give the older a stick about that banner. Yeah, yeah. still to this day. Yeah. 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 The robbers coaches, uh, <laughs> including yourself, 
and the Ultras. I remember you played each other in there in our five-a-side tournament. That was my team talking. <laughs> that, <year. laughs> that was brutal. Like, do you know what? Those yeah. groups, they weren't raped yeah, anyway. Sure <laughs> but one of the best photos is you absolutely welling a ball off Davy's face. Yeah. <laughs> and he, yeah. Right in the mush. We used that for the cover photo of our podcast that week. Yeah. So, <laughs> any few uh, late tackles that day? Yeah, no, well, look, I, I obviously... Uh, I knew one or two of the lads were involved or more than one or two but um, no look I said they they, uh, they were angry at the time um, but they didn't to be fair to them and they didn't understand what was happening in the background they yeah. didn't understand what how big the change was like you know really didn't um, I don't think a lot of people did like you know for the first two and a half three years I wouldn't say I've seen my kids or my wife very often at all like you're in the office at seven and you're not getting home till Ten, half ten at night, like you know, and sometimes me and Stephen would sleep in the office or you'd sleep in the hotel across the road, um, and and that's not you're not looking for pats in the back. That was the job. That's this what had was. to be done. You had to do that to 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 try and change this culture. And, and uh, so the force part was really, but people that were going to the to the games, fans that were going to the games on Friday didn't understand that, didn't see all that, like you know, they just saw the Friday nights. And, uh, you were pretty much tearing down every structure that had existed and putting in your own new, yeah. brand new one, and yeah. people just didn't see that. Yeah, and again, I'm, I don't want to sit here and take the credit. This isn't just me. This is yeah. Stephen, Glenn, Darren, Tony, there's, and obviously the board. There's so much to it, but I was obviously the the front of it, like <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, that that was basically it. We mm-hmm. had to we had to rip her up and start again because when I presented to the board at the very very start before I was hired, I said wherever ways go. This needs to change, this and this is what why it needs to change. It's probably hard for the average fan to maybe appreciate that they're mainly looking at first team results. I remember a phrase five year plan was shown at us a lot, even though I don't think anyone at the club ever said the words five year plan. But yeah. I suppose it was we, we were moving further and further away from 2011. We'd had Trevor Crowdy and Pat Fenden. But in a sense, maybe that helps you. Because, like Gareth said earlier, we didn't want to keep chopping and changing every two years. It was about time we gave a manager time. Because two years is nothing, really. Mm. Yeah, because if you look at it, how many windows do you get in them two years? And and if you're a team that's transfer windows, and if you're a team that's fighting for fourth, how are you going to attract the best players? Like, exactly, yeah. I think people from the outside had this thing was, where well, with Shamrock Rovers, you can sign anyone. No, you can't. I mean, you've got them docked, they're often three times what you can, and Cork mm. at the time. And, and, and they're being successful and they're playing in Europe every year and they're competing to win things how are we going to attract the best players it's so difficult so you have to try and bridge the gap every window you're trying to bridge the gap with one two funnily enough when you, you mentioned know. windows yeah. we had Owen Royce who summed up your reign in transfer windows and mm. he talked about how better it's gotten it's yeah. fascinating and it was a fascinating read so it was, since it was, the middle of 2018 it's virtually an unchanged team like that 5-2 game you're talking about with the, with the banner We've only had two goalkeepers since then, Gavin Bazzuno and Alan Manis, mm. which tells a big story in yeah. their upturning fortunes, I suppose. Yeah. See, the Alan one, again, the goalkeeper situation, we always knew Alan was coming, not always for months. We knew he was coming, but we couldn't act on it because he was in St. Johnson. And yeah. He was in contrast, so it took a long time for that to come through, but there's no point in signing someone. If you want to get someone of quality, you're going to have to give them a two or three year deal. And he's on big money, and then he's sitting on the bench when Alan comes in. You end up with... So we had to wait it out for Alan. Like, yeah. You know, obviously, Gavin was the perfect one, but Gavin was so good. He, he's getting on well as well. We see his dad most days as well. Yeah, he's starting the Gavin, job with us. We speak to him three or four times a week. And we're getting inside yeah. reports on him. He's doing well. Yeah, he's fine. Uh, is there a particular game where you felt that your ideas and team identity finally clicked? Dundalk, 1 0. 1 0 B. 
Yeah, that was the one. Uh, like I said, when when you watch that game, if anyone can watch it, I don't know if it's on YouTube or whatever, have a look at that game and see the dominance in that game. And uh, and that was the one that we felt was that was a was a real turning point. That was the changing of of the guard mm. for me. Probably the person who asked was expecting you to pick a win, but uh, yeah. I understand your reason. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Do you rate the artistic merit of Darren Glennon's tattoo? <laughs> I was there when you got it done. Yeah. What did your uh, missus say when you told her that on her shoulder? Um, she was must laughing. the piss. Yeah, she was laughing. But it's not what my missus says, what he missus yeah. says. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> Is there anybody from outside the club apart from his family who has played a big part in your managerial career? So advice and tips, something like that. So anyone outside your family? Or? Yeah. Yeah, I'd have... Uh, I'd have uh, not many two or three that I'd, I'd speak to quite a regular one I'd speak to every day he's on the outside um, helps me and the club a lot um, someone that I'd, I'd really respect and, yeah. um, and everything I do I wouldn't do anything without asking his opinion on uh, whether it's tactics on can the you player. name him or you'd rather keep it no t- I'd rather keep it uh, is keep he French it. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, he's not. But uh, now, yeah, I, I'd run everything by him um, for an opinion. We don't agree on everything, but I, I, I respect. He's a big, big, uh, important to what we do. Mm. This, I think, this is the best question. Has your philosophy on how your team should play ball changed from when you were first made manager to now, or have you stuck with the same philosophy all the way through? If it has changed, what has changed, and when did you change it? Okay. No, I think your principles have to remain the same. But you have to recognise if you have the players at a certain point of time to carry out what what's in your head. But you, all the time you're building on the same principles. So if, again, if you've watched us in real detail and not acted, reacted to results, but watched from from the first year to now, some of the principles are, are the same. But we've just done it now more often, better. We're doing it with better detail and with better players. And comes of that becomes performances. Um, and, and you win games and, and win things but um, it hasn't hasn't massively changed I've always had a vision and an idea of what I wanted us to look like um, what type is that how it is now? Yeah. It, is that what you want? Is the yeah work? I still think we can still little tweaks we can make to it um, going forward uh, you can always obviously keep improving but I always had in my head what I wanted our team to look like what I wanted uh, both in possession out possession in transitions on the pitch off the pitch even visually what do they look like when they walk into the pitch are they in shape yeah. because that wasn't always the case um, who's the biggest one there um, <laughs> look that wasn't always the case <laughs> who's the fittest out of management team the fittest Glenn I'd say Glenn is yeah Glenn, Glenn's a fit we, we do uh, he still likes to tackle he was putting the foot in in the yeah. five side a few times now yeah. he's really competitive isn't he really competitive <laughs> even when you go we go cycling we do 100-150k a week and and uh, he just leave you on the side as well, <laughs> yeah. you know. So he's really competitive. But Glenn's and Darren's obviously in good shape. But Glenn, I'd say Glenn is. When we beat Derry there uh, a few weeks back, uh, Conor McCormick was on the pitch after the game speaking to us, and he said something interesting. He said that our players in midfield are constantly swapping around positions, and him and his teammates were kind of bamboozled by it. They could, didn't know like what to do about it. Is this a relatively new thing, or have you been sort of playing with this for a while? I think we've been doing it for a while. Yeah, we've been doing it for for quite some time. Um, again, it's hard to go into the real detail of it because we have to play everyone next year, and yeah, they'll, yeah. they'll be wondering 
uh, how how do they set up against it? So it's hard to go into the real detail. Maybe when 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 you sack me next year, I'll be back <laughs> and go into the real detail. It'll, it. it'll be me sacking him in Mick Curran's switch room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's where they all get sacked. Yeah, so when when that happens, we can go through it in real detail. No one will listen to it, but look, we'll, <laughs> we'll have a chat about it. But no, it's uh, it's that is something that we we work on uh, every every week. So I know you don't like to single people out, but is there one particular player you feel like you've nurtured and that has come on leaps and bounds? And if so, are you uh, most proud of the terms? Which player are you most proud of in terms of development as well? Yeah, it's hard. It is really hard to say one because, um, like I said, when we signed every player, when we signed our Mac, he, he, we were told he's a 10. And, and we said to each other, no, he's the best. He's the best all around my feeling. Yeah. We just need to make him that. And so there's so many we can do, but that's you, something you, we didn't even we didn't speak about there. Yeah. That's his his development as a player as well turned into the complete midfielder. Yeah. So, but when the one you touched on earlier for me stands out with Moyle as Roberto. Uh, when we signed on Roberto again, we were told by a lot of people people are scouting for me, I watched him closely for me. No, he's not up to the level. He can't do this. He can't do that. And uh, I met him for a coffee, and and Glenn knew him because he was a young boy uh, when Glenn was a, a first team player. And Glenn said to me, "You need to meet him." And when I met him, I just left and said, "We can, we can make him a player." Because I knew what type of man and character he was, mm-hmm. and uh, his improvement. And and like you said, he was the best centre half in the country last year. And um, yeah, look, it's hard to sing that one, but his improvement has been tremendous. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot down to to Roberto, to be fair. Uh, born. We kind of covered that, so. Um, favorite Rovers fan song that you've heard in the stands? Um, you know all the words, obviously. Like, oh, yeah, every song. Every yeah. song. Oh, um, Jesus. Certain know. fan is listening right now, praying that you pick a song. I won't say. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I absolutely. Is don't there know. something that. The, which one? The Radioli. Uh, is there that's, something that you can feel that when we're when we're winning or when we're pushing for a game is there a song that kind of th- you think oh that means the fans they're, they're getting behind us like or is there a turning point there it just means we're, we're jolly the Mac and F one is probably yeah Aaron's very good yeah. yeah there's so many of them there really is um, and what you said there in the games I think it's just when you hear the collective noise yeah I think that's because sometimes when you're at a ground and you can hear a hundred people singing there's the hundred talking there's not really when it's collective it's like when when the when the sales stands start everyone else joins in yeah, and yeah. then that's when it becomes a bit magical doesn't it it takes over like mm-hmm. and it can be, like I said intimidating place for, for teams to come and play did we have a song for you as a player I can't think of one I don't think so no. I don't yeah. remember Something it's a shame like the bad players didn't Fair get right. songs <laughs> uh, last question comes in from Gary Shaw former player of yours alright Gary yeah. he says can I get the fine money back from punching the North shopping player in the face in the pre-season friendly in Portugal? <laughs> Shows a regular listener, by the way. He's a big show, Shows. Great fella, great person. Uh, Gary, like, really, really good. He was uh, big for me in the dressing room, Gary. And when we assumed we had some rocky passes, he was big in terms of being a good character. Like you know, I know he still gets on with a lot of the players that are there now. That shows you what type he is because sometimes you leave dressing rooms people filter off and but well, he's still in good contact so good fella he definitely can't get the fine money back he should have actually done it was funny like he was because uh, he's had an injury um, and we're just trying to build him back in for <laughs> thinking of the season so I think he's literally on the pitch 10 minutes turned around mm. obviously hit your man and sent off and looking at him <laughs> 
So yeah, now um, he definitely can't get the funny money back now. Do you, me- do you remember when he, you sent him to Thomastown and we we had the whole thing going? We're like, she's shot. He's in the bad books. He's the only he's the only fourteen player going down, and he was like, no, I just had to get fit. Yeah, it's no, the only just, thing. Yeah, he just needed minutes, and we couldn't get a game at the time. And Thomastown, I knew when I went down. Uh, uh, where I live a guy up there sponsored the whole day and he was sending me through videos of the pitch and when he sent me through the video of the pitch I thought oh because I'd be sending Gary to play to get minutes but I knew I was thinking he could get injured but uh, no that was just about getting him getting him minutes like, you know. That's, it's, like what you've said there it speaks to Gary Shaw as a person but does it also say something about Shamrock Rovers as a club that you've got people like Gary Shaw and Pat Flynn and Dave McAllister that even when they leave the club they still have that connection and sometimes mm-hmm. you, you see them in the stands at Tala sometimes they keep listening to this show they still yeah. have a bond with the club yeah. Shaz he sent us a, sc- a Spotify screenshot where his number one podcast so really? we're, we, we are really happy with that and that just shows you the kind of uh, mentality that yeah. has stuck with the players that have even left the squad now yeah it's a special it is a special place and I don't say that lightly and it's something that we've has always been there Shamrock Rovers but we've tried to really build on that that you're part of a special club here and once you leave this place it's only downhill in this country it mm. does not and sometimes a lot of times even outside this country but in this country especially when you leave here you don't get this see this special club you don't get this anywhere else like you know and, and that's uh, we've really tried to buy into that with the players that we sign and uh, the players that are in the dressing room like you know but I think that goes back to as well of when you meet the very good people are are these good people that it's essentially the the, the clincher isn't it yeah are good people have you ever met a player who you thought this guy is top quality yeah a few but he would actually disrupt our dressing room and he doesn't fit us yeah a good few yeah we turned down a few certain player got walked down the road still we we, we turned down (laughs) a good few that were uh, yeah I had a guy ring me a few weeks back asking can he play for nothing Um, really yeah uh, and uh now it's honestly for for what we are and like I said the group and the dressing room is so important if it's we don't think if we think they're gonna trust that or not be part of it or not buy into it. Uh and you see the players going on their days off doing whether it's presentation they're doing they're not forced to that that's their own choice. Yeah. That's the type of people that, that they are, like, you know, and if you have a few bad apples in there they can they yeah. can ruin all that so we don't we've walked away from a, a lot of deals that have signed for other clubs people have thought we've missed out on him or we haven't very rarely we go for a player that we that we that we really go for that we miss out on like you know who's yeah. the past player that we apparently failed to sign every season Is it Desmond Lee Desmond Lee Desmond yeah apparently we always miss out on him every season no really? I, I think he's sponsored there anyway <laughs> But uh, yeah, we're a bit of fun now, right? So I'm gonna Prof is gonna go for us. We're gonna go with uh, quick fire. So Prof, right? This is would you rather either or sort of thing. So cats or dogs? Dogs. Yeah. Music or podcasts? Oh. Podcasts. <laughs> City or countryside? City. Beer or wine? Wine. Favorite takeaway. Uh, Italian. Would you rather play in midfield alongside Roy Keane or Patrick Vieira? Oh, Roy Keane, Irish, yeah. Preferred midfield partner, Cronin or McPhail? Steve McPhail. <laughs> <laughs> Messi or Ronaldo? Messi. Gavin Brennan or Cameron King? 
Yeah, it's a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> you don't win up with kids, do you? No. no. So, favourite player in world football to watch right now? Um, I don't get to see him often. And yes, that would be my favourite, one of my favourites of all time. He's uh, in Japan, obviously. Book or a movie? Book. And the last movie you watched? Uh, I don't know that's why book is from <laughs> yeah, I don't watch many so that's book you read if you can think of uh, Guardiola um, another way of winning and another, three things you bring to a desert island apart from your books <laughs> um, I better say my wife and kids I <laughs> suppose <laughs> um, this is a getaway isn't it it's supposed to be a bit yeah. of you time oh is it um, I'll bring my laptop boy scale so much all the games um, and, and a bottle of wine here we go. Watched the game back five times. <laughs> Remember Big Al chose peanut butter for that question? Yeah, he's he unlimited does. amount of peanut butter. Because it's so lovely. <laughs> so uh, people not, might not remember this, was a few years ago, but you did make a brief appearance on the podcast. We asked you to name your best 11 that you've played with. So I'll just quickly read it out. It was Adam Mance, uh Moritz Waltz, mm-hmm. Dan Murray, Graeme Gartland and Ashley Cole at the back. Midfield, Jermaine Pennant, David Noble, Cesc Fabregas and David Bentley. And up front, Dennis Bergkamp and Gary Twigg. You were, you were seriously named up in there. Yeah, I was, to be fair. Some team. Yeah. No, I was lucky. I wouldn't change it all, no? Uh, no, what do you think? No, it was, no. Look, you could do, I think at the time, there was everyone was doing the League of Ireland. Yeah. Actually sticking to that. Mm. Would and you play with all these? But mm. I'd, I'd, look, I'd play pre-season games with some of them not. No, probably against the Luxembourg camp, but incredible, like, when you... Were you on the bench once for a Champions League match? No, I travelled, never, didn't make the bench, but travelled, yeah. yeah was I was wondering about it. Hmm. So, on that note, who is the best player you've played with and against? And, to make it interesting, could you give us an overall one and a League of Ireland one for each? Uh, overall, Iniesta. Um, played against him for uh, Ireland Spain, and uh, playoff for the Euros. I don't know the year, but they beat us one 0 Torres played. Jesus. PK played. They had a good side. Um Iniesta was he's smaller than me and you're thinking he can't be that good. He was outrageous. Um and since then the looks of him and Zidane would be my favourite players. Obviously the Messi's was him and Zidane that type, Kakas that type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, ten you could say. Yeah, yeah. So I've always liked them. So Iniesta from from outside in the league. Um the same players Glenn was a disaster to play against because Glenn's game was upsetting he was in your face he was punching you kicking it and then he took over so Glenn was tough in terms of that type when I came into the league he had Wes and, and people like that who were obviously very good but Joseph was I knew he was, was the stand up I knew he was going to say yeah, that I love playing against Joseph because he, he was uh, he, he was so so much quality he could have played at any level like any level Joseph, he was, could run, could dribble, could tackle. Seeing the game so quick, even when he got tied to him, he was so strong. He just stuck his arse into you, couldn't move. <laughs> he was, uh, and he taught you all through the game. What were you saying? Just little things. He'd be talking to you, he'd be telling you, I mean, you're too good for this league. And, and uh, <laughs> he, he'd be talking about the player, his teammate or your teammate, and he's crap and <laughs> kickers. and, and uh, Should bring him back as a pundit. He was excellent. He, he used to do the World Cup coverage. Really, yeah. He was great crap. No, he was special. Joseph was... What's he doing now, do you know? I think he's coaching. Um, Mayo, I think I heard he yeah, was coaching. Yeah, I think he's coaching, yeah. But uh, 
and I'm, uh, I haven't come across him as a coach, but as a player, he could have played at any level. He was the one, him and the other one that um, would have been very close. Was a genius. Was Paddy McCourt? Yeah, them two are. Paddy was a genius. Mm. Like, was Paddy flawed as a let's say? Would oh, Paddy fit into your squad now? Yeah, because mentally, I think the dressing the would, would make him yeah. fit into it. I think. Um, <laughs> I think Paddy's the type that would fit. He has that character that would fit into any dressing room. Like you know, he's so easy going. So, but on the pitch, what, like obviously he went on to do for Celtic and in the Champions League and everywhere else. But he was so gifted, like talented. Mm-hmm. He was a genius. Remember that game against Van Harps? We were two up at half time, and then Paddy McCart turned it on. He was he pulled was it back to two off. And that was near. He was near in the end there. Like, Boyle yeah. scored a, fl- a lob, a fluke. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. He claims he so Joseph are. Or uh, a Paddy, probably Joseph. But Paddy was a, I don't know, genius. So best and worst moment of your playing career. Worst was um. Worst was. It's tricky. Uh, one uh, actual plan on the pitch was yeah. the final getting sent off, because I would have been the force to take a penalty and it could have changed the whole level. Yeah, yeah. So I never actually thought that. That, that stuck with me for a while. Uh, well, worst off the pitch was in London when I got stabbed that time. That that basically finished me as a as a chance to be a top player mm. mentally, and because uh, it took me some time to recover from that mentally. So that was worst to worst case, and um, and the best um, as a player um, would have been probably winning the league, like because mm. it's. It's so hard. I know you play for your country and do all that, but um, I think when you win the league, so much goes into it day to day. Like you, everyone doesn't see the, the the fights. You don't see the digging matches in, in the dressing room. You don't <laughs> see the arguments. You don't see uh, the making up of that. You don't see digging it out and and Finn Harris away in the rain. And so you have to do all that every week to win a league. The so accumulation of hard it, work. Just like, you sit down with a beer in your hand with yeah. with the fella you're probably fighting with two weeks beforehand, and you're giving him a hug, mm. saying this is what it's about. Like, because when you retire, that is what it's about. It's about them moments of being in good dressing rooms with good people that you can sit back and say when you bump into these people down the road, like that that Rovers team or that Drogba team we played in. A lot of us would still be really close. Yeah, each other. It's down have a drink with them, and that doesn't happen very often, you know. So, I think it's a great story that the the celebrations in Bray in 2010 you're up on Aiden Price's shoulders and then we've got the 2020 league winner manager and we've got the Sharon Garbers 2 manager yeah. right yeah. there yeah. full circle yeah Very full story. circle yeah. Aiden's obviously doing a lot of coaching with the kids and the B team so. no full circle but Aiden's obviously part of that team one of the lads that you remain close with like, you know. so winning the league for, for a lot of reasons yeah will have to be and you you wrote in the 2020 book it's on sale now in the club shop so make sure you get it nice stock and filler and uh, we can't talk about being the greatest Rovers team yet it's far too early but they are legendary for bringing home the 25th FAI Cup so give us your special memories of the Cup that day something that we've always been touching on and we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is just everybody's we still talk about it and your your vivid memories of the day of the Cup Um, I remember we we uh Leading up to the game, we, we sat down with the players and showed them a video from, from all their loved ones at home. And, and we, we felt to be emotional motivational video, but it turned out to be a bit of a disaster because the players, some of them were crying on the bus and nice thing. <laughs> <laughs> we had to go and play a game. <laughs> but it, doing, was, yeah? uh, 
No, that was that was uh, that was brilliant to see that emotion and see that connection and to feel the energy in the room and then uh, going out in front of the crowd. Once you look to the right and you see in the crowd, it sort of made the hairs in the back of your neck stand up. It was like, right, this this is what it's about, like mm. you know. Um, and then when you when you obviously the game, there's so much happening in the game without going into that. When you win it, just seeing the the pure joy and emotion from from little boys and little girls to, to grown men and women, just that joy and emotion, like you know, like I said, grown men and women crying with their kids and for me that's that's the best and the biggest thing you can ever do. If you can have that effect on on someone, well then it's all well and they're the things that really stick with you. When you think back to that day, being able to sit in the dressing room with the players afterwards and have a just sit down when all the emotion is gone and every, not the emotion all the, the noise gone we went back out on the pitch and we sat down we had a beer because I, I remember when you went in as a player sometimes you let it, you're, you're rushing to go on the bus to go to the hotel to do this and before you realise it, it it's gone so I made sure that we, we all went back out on the pitch and sat there for an hour and just sat down and had a chat soaked it in and, and thought about the day and thought about the crowd and thought about everything and, and so they're the memories I have are them, mm. them special memories you know thank god we won it that year imagine we were trying to end the hoodoo this year with in an empty oh, yeah. oh, yeah. uh, so you and Joey and Steve McPhail and the huddle at the start of extra time tell us was it what what went on there there's a bit of some choice words or what way did it go about yeah no Joe uh, Steve and Mac and Glenn were, were brilliant for me um, obviously Michael Duffy scored a great goal late on last what 10 seconds was it? it was a great goal and it really knocked you for a minute uh, and Stephen Glenn came to me and, and just said uh, we're fine just just refocus like you know and so it took a minute and we got them in you could see the players were a bit taken back because they'd obviously just scored but we just spoke about uh, this happens this is football we've mm. got to just trust what we do don't just trust it it happens for the next 5 or 10 minutes we need to stay in this game because the shock of everything was, was still raw, still mm. there, and they were on a high, the adrenaline. So we need to stay in the game for the next few minutes and then settle and just trust it. And uh, and again, the, the, the senior players, Joey and Ronan and, and uh, all those Aaron Mack people like that spoke and, and the message was the same. Just And, you, and as a manager, you think of taking Graham Bokoff, who's the best player on the pitch, and we might need to go and score a goal, like, you know, because mm. you're thinking you waste time and everything else. But... We had to clear ahead of that and get them in and, and, and like I said, stay in the game for five to ten minutes and then and then we'll go and and, uh, and refocus and settle. Just trust what we do. Don't start panicking, don't start um doing silly stuff, just just relax and, and like I said this the senior. Trust the process is a is a saying I've adapted. Mm. Yeah. Trust the process. Yeah. And what was the feeling like when Gary O'Neill's penalty went in? Um so I said on the day, um, so many emotions for me personally. I was so happy for the, for the group, the fans, all of that, everything that came with it, giving us that. I knew it give us that little edge. You now it give us that little know how, if, if you want to call it that. Uh, I said on the day, I felt so happy. I felt sad for for a little part of it that was in me, uh, but just joy, you know, just joy that uh, everything we done, all the hard work with this was the start of a paying off now and, and mm. I knew what it meant to, to everyone connected with the club you hear about when you're a player you, you hear about it every year the drive for 25 was there every year <laughs> and um, and I was just delighted because the amount of people you bumped into all the fans that 
uh, saying we haven't seen it since obviously back then and they had young fans saying we'd never seen it so yeah people our age we, we, yeah, we hadn't seen never it never seen it so to, to to be able to to give that to people can only bring you joy like you know so yeah that was actually my next question what's the most common thing people said to you afterwards when they came up to you in the abo and they're tearing your apart from I love you <laughs> <laughs> um, can we get a selfie was probably the next <laughs> one um, no just that just uh and again, it was nice just thanking, just thanking us, like, you know, um, for for allowing them to be there that day, like, and, and, and giving them that day. I think that was, that was the thing I got off most people, like, young or old, was uh, thanking me, the staff, the players for for giving them that day because they've been craving for so long. So, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of thanks, which was nice. A lot of good managers had tried and failed, of course, before you, mm. like Ray Tracy, uh, Michael Neal, Pascoli, Damian Richardson. So, thirty-two years going in, and certainly afterwards, you were made well aware just how massive that cup was mm. and how much it meant to the fans to yeah. finally see us win number twenty-five. Yeah, I, I think I was quite a lot of time saying that this cup means more than winning the league, and I it didn't. I didn't mean that. Obviously, winning the league is what everyone wants to do, but I knew what it meant to the fans. I knew how long people had waited and how much they wanted it. Uh, it was like a huge deal, and people wanted to to break it, obviously. And and uh, like I said, certain fans had never seen it. Certain fans hadn't seen it in so long. So um, Michael didn't help after we won it. He texted me saying, uh, "Congratulations, but you have a better team than I had." Like you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so uh, no. Look, it was just great. It was great to to see the joy and. And uh, the emotion of the day, what brought to us, like you know, it was fantastic. How do you look back on your stint here as a player, the likes of Bray and Modena, twenty ten, and the experiences that you had? Yeah, look, I would have loved to play me and the team we have now in that in that type of uh, team. I think I definitely would have seen a better version of me. But me being brutally honest, me when I came to Ireland was finished. Um, in my head, I was in a different place. I was thinking of managing and coaching very, very young. Uh, <laughs> because of being stabbed and because of uh, it took me a good 14 months to get over that get back playing and, and, and get over that I always felt I'd missed the opportunity to fulfil my potential at the yeah. level that I should have played at um, but when you come to terms with that's life get on with um, and I did and like I said I decided very early that I wanted to manage and coach so very early on I used to take notes of everything we done in training with every manager I played under and uh, and analyse them and and um, Who's your favourite manager you played under? Um, I'd say uh, Don you learn, Yeah, you Don learned Hale. the most from him? Yeah, Don. Michael was uh, tactically very, very good. Mm. Uh, we'd win games that we had no right to win just because we were we are so tactically switched on and I think you're seeing that with Stoke now. I think the 14-man game. Is the prop yeah. has a sneaky bet for them to go up. So, yeah, um, I, would I wouldn't bet against them because yeah. if, if he gets to the playoffs... They're the last team you want to face, yeah. the way Michael plays and sets up. So we learned a lot from Michael. Um, and, and Don Hare, when I was young, I didn't realise at the time, but what Don was giving us at the time was gold. Uh, he was brilliant. Um, a lot of them, to be fair, I worked under John Hughes in Falkirk, and he would have had a big influence on how we play now. Um, so actually, when, when I did, took the job in term, he was one of the people I said the club you need to go and try and hire like you know mm. I thought he would be in perfect fit at the time um, for, for how we seen the game so a few I took bits from, from a few you've played and you've managed here from, from speaking to fans over the years a lot of them say the same thing you seem to get it you seem to get the club 
you understand it. And I think a lot of the current players seem to as well. We we have poked fun of them uh, over the years, but they don't know how many leagues and cups they've won. Mm. But generally, they do seem to get the club and they've bonded with the supporters the last few years, do you think? Yeah, I do. I think, again, it goes back to the person. You have to understand when you get them in to make them feel, understand the club that they're in is bigger than them, it's bigger than us. Um, players and managers at some point will move on. Um, but this club will always be here and, and that's you're part of something bigger here. Yeah. And and your duty, our duty is to leave this club in better shape and better hands than when we got it. And if we can do that... Uh, we can say we can always look back and say we did a good job whether that's as a manager or as a player and I think the players that we bring in understand that and they learn that as they go um, and, and I think the fans appreciate that the number one thing for me when I came in is we had to run harder than anyone we weren't running and we couldn't run we weren't capable of running uh, the players we had the attributes they had and, and that had to change for me if we're going to get beat we can get beat but not not the way we were getting beat like, you know. so we had to run and I, I do believe that I remember the, the people come to my door in Jobstown to buy a, buy a block back when Tallis Stadium was only getting built. Yeah. And so I remember, and I still see them people now around the ground. Like, Why are we looking for this so, block? <laughs> <laughs> so I know what goes into it. I know what they went into it. Then people, and that's not the people who put their house on the line, remortgage house and all sorts. So like I know what went into it. And we try and get the players to, to understand that, that this is bigger than just... Picking up a wage or going so, playing ball, yeah. Yeah, this is about a lot of people have put their heart and soul into this, and this is their life. So you've got to be very careful how you handle But we've uh, players at fans' funerals. We've lost Waffles, Alex, Big Dick, just to name a few, and the players pose the flags dedicated with them to the after win the league. So it's it's something that does hit home when you lose fans like that, especially the most prominent ones like Big mm. Dick and yeah. and the rest of the gang. Yeah, I think again the reason we go to. The funeral, and unfortunately we can't go to all of them because of whatever training or COVID definitely had an effect but we try and make go to as many as we can because again I think it's important to recognise uh, how much they meant to us like you know because they're one of them big deck and people like that and young Alex they were they were one of them thousands that sat in that crowd and got you going when Brand scored when Limassol scored when, yeah. when the dark went 2-1 up there they were one of them people that actually helped you get over the line so it's important that we recognise that and uh, and we show a little bit of sort of a thank you. I know it's it's very minimal on the day because the family are grieving, and but I think it's important that we we show that that we recognise that, and, we, uh, and that's just our way of saying thanks, really. So uh, yeah, that is it for today. We're very thankful for Stephen for sparing his time and We've kidnapped him for two hours. That's uh, <laughs> big thanks to coming down, Stephen, and no uh, hopefully we'll see you in twenty twenty one and. Yeah, keep on hooping. We'll get Stephen to, to sign us up. So you can say, give us a keep on hooping. Keep on hooping. <laughs> <laughs> My wife says to me, let's not drive the old coupe. Hitch up once again, the one horse open sleigh. The horse was awful mad, if he could talk he'd say, You'll be sorry you hitched me to a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingling all the way. It ain't fun like it used to be in a one-horse open sleigh. 
A jingle bells, a jingle bells, a jingling all the way. I should have worn long underwear in that one horse open sleigh. Dashing through the snow with the cold wind in our face. I can't hold a horse, he thinks he's in a race. He kicks snow on us, it hits us on the chest. I bet that we're the coldest Swedes in the whole darn Middle West. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingling all the way. 